0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Join
2: us as we travel into the inner workings of John Cheney's mind. Beyond midcourt is another dimension, a dimension of pressure, a dimension of coverage, a dimension of mind. white guy and capable of playing man-to-man. Of health-side defense and active ten. you just crossed half court into the matchup zone. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You know what, Mike and I decided no music tonight. Uh, we couldn't decide on the song. I threw a little mixed uh, curveball in there last night, or last week, and Mike didn't like it, so uh, we we decided we're going we're gonna to see how it goes if we just uh, don't play any music to a start. I'm Kevin Owens, your host, uh, joined as always by Michael Gould. Uh, you are now in the Matchup Zone, the Matchup Zone Talking Sports, every single week, Monday at 7 p.m. We have an unbelievable show for you tonight. We have with us as our guest, uh, one Tommy John, the founder of... Actually, the pretty much the guinea pig of the first surgery ever done that uh, for the elbow that is now Tommy John surgery. He uh, will be joining us tonight to talk about that. <clears throat> also, Stacy August, who uh, Prince Fielder, uh, his mom and uh, ex-wife of Cecil Fielder. So he'll be joining us. Mike, how are you tonight?
1: I'm good, Kev. I'm doing well. Good
2: you know, sh- What's that? You know, sure,
1: blame the intro on me. Thanks.
2: <laughs> well, it's so funny because I'm on the other side of the glass. I, I have to admit, I we I I worked out before I came, and it was like I was kind of rushed trying to get over here, and I was like, you know, it's just not gonna it's not gonna fly. I was like, I'm not gonna be able to get over here in time with getting a shower. So, I walked in, and Mike's like, "You stink." So I moved over to the other side of the glass. I can see Mike, but I just can't. No, Melham. No, <laughs> so uh, our show brought to you tonight by uh, First Hour Advocator South Jersey Orthopedic Associates. Uh, give them a call. Go see Dr. Wetzler for all your orthopedic needs. 856-424-8866. Also, of course, buy Foam Pack. We're in Foam Pack Studio. Uh, supplier of all Greco products. Just a phone call away. 888-458-2928. Second Hour Buy integrated play if you are an athlete looking to transition give renee shell a call 269-760-3857 so mike off the bat it was a sad day in philadelphia i know some of you a lot of you listeners are not from the philadelphia area it's more of a national thing but we're philadelphia guys so i'm going to talk about this it's a sad day charlie Manuel go on
1: It's not sad for me. How is it not sad for you? I'll tell you why it's not sad.
2: You have zero heart.
1: No, I don't have zero heart. But people forget he was never – he he wasn't a good manager. He was a good guy. The Phillies should have won minimum two World Series. Yeah. People forget when he first came here, he didn't know what a double switch was. And I don't know if he's still – I don't know. He was never a great X's and O's guy. The only reason we won the World Series in 2008 is because we had guys who could hit the ball out of the ballpark. It wasn't because of his strategic managerial moves. He was never a great manager. I mean, he, now granted, he knew how to kind of push some right buttons, you know, move guys around in the order. But in terms of like bringing guys, people forget the first year he was here, we killed him. Yeah, we, people. We, he, was, he was. Well, for he one, was we, relentless. for one, we killed him because of his like bumbling, his bumbling way. Yeah, you know, and his mispronunciation or his misuse of the word "good" and "well." You know, like he did good tonight. You know, like that kind of stuff when we killed him for it.
2: Yeah, now it's like now, the same reason we all, we're all we all sad that he's going.
1: It's because it's Uncle Charlie.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: But you know what? Honestly, Kev, I think it was wrong the way they did it. They basically, the Phillies basically let him get his 1,000th win and fired him. And, yeah. And I didn't like how Ruben, was, Ruben Amaro Jr. was crying at the press conference. Like, it's a business. Grow up, it's a business. The guy got fired. Um, I'm not sure bringing Ryan Sandberg in for the last 42 games of the season is going to... Uh, uh, Grant, he's going to get familiar with the players, things like that. He's been there for two years. He knows the players. He, not only that, Kev, you bring him in to go against the train that is the Dodgers. that is just steamrolling everyone. Uh huh. I mean, t- against Kershaw. I mean, and tough, uh, tough first three games for uh, Rhino there.
2: Yeah, it's it's it, it was a tough situation. Well, the thing I don't understand is you're setting, you're saying, you're bringing in, you're like, oh. Ryan Sam Ryan Sammer is on an interim basis. He's not on an interim basis. You brought him in because you want him to be the manager. So don't tell me that you fired Charlie Manuel forty two games before the end of the season because you wanted to see what Ryan Sammer can do. You know what he could do. You brought him in because he everyone knew he was gonna be the next manager of the yep. Phillies. So why even why label it now as an interim manager? You know it's not an interim manager. He's the manager. He's gonna be the manager next year, whether he Jeez. they they finish the season three in Thirty nine. There, see. Good, th- I was. I was <laughs> do you see my fingers over here? I, I saw one. Did uh,
1: <laughs> I guess well? <laughs> did you think Charlie deserved Did you think Charlie deserved to finish out the season?
2: I think so, just because of, just based on loyalty. Uh, I think you're right. I knew Charlie. It was Charlie's time. I think the players were stopped. Stop listening. You know what? I think it was, it was. I think it was his time. So but, I agreed, but at the same time, let him finish out the season. Right
1: now, do you think, KeV? If the Phillies have the same roster next year, and Ryan Samber Ryan, I, you know his name's Ryan. It's only one syllable, but it sounds Ryan. Ryan, Yeah, Ryan. If you, See, I don't if, if know how to just, say that. It, Ryan Sandberg. Ryan. Yeah. If, like if, pork, Ryan. Yes. Yeah. If they have the same team next year, is Ryan Sandberg going to make a difference? No. This team. No. This team stinks right now. The bullpen is hideous. The bullpen is the bullpen is the problem. The bullpen. You know I, what? No, it's funny because I don't
2: think they're that far off. That's the weird thing. I really don't think they're that far off. You get Ryan Howard back and and semi-productive, Chase Utley gives you another good year. I like the young players. I like Dominic Brown. Uh, John Maber. (laughs) John Maber, my God. But you get Ben Revere back, who was starting to play well That hurt when he went down. Yeah, he was really starting to hit the ball well. He was starting to get get in his groove. Uh, You have you you put Ruff out there, too. Uh, He'll he'll get better. Uh, Cody Ash, same thing. It's like your Jimmy Rollins, you can platoon him with uh, what's his name coming up. Uh, it's just you have the makings of a good team. I think you need. To, I think you need to maybe invest in a in a high priced outfielder to kind of give, give
1: solidify give, solidify. The yeah,
2: and then uh, but where do you it, need a catcher because yeah. Ruiz is is he's, he's on his last leg. The,
1: the problem is, Kev, is you have you have Jimmy Rollins, who's clearly on the downside of his career. The, the guy just. He's batting two forty nine this year. I mean, he's giving you absolutely nothing offensively. He, you know, he's always solid defensively. He's not gonna hurt you in the field. He's not giving you anything offensively. Nothing. Nothing. Then you have there there's still too many strikeouts in line. When Ryan Howard, when Ryan Howard gets back, too many strikeouts in the lineup. Dominic Brown's still not hitting well, actually Dominic Brown can hit lefties. Um Michael Young can't he can't drive the ball into the gaps. He's basically just a singles hitter now. Um I don't know. I kind of think they're a little bit of a ways off. I mean, I look at these other teams. You look at the Dodgers. Kershaw is basically unhittable. Um, he is. He's he, he's eleven and seven with like a one point four one ERA.
2: You know, I I saw a stat today uh, that if he if the Dodgers score four or more runs, he's fifty zero. I don't know if it was correct or not, but that was a stat. That's insane. thing. Well, let's go with it. I'm going with it. So that's a, that's a crazy that's a crazy stat 150 if you if you score four or more runs.
1: Speaking of Jimmy Rollins, the whole debate with him being a Hall of Famer. I just don't think he's a Hall of Famer.
2: For what? Like Oakland? No, I think he's no, an Oakland Hall of Famer.
1: No, no, people, I mean that's like a legitimate, on the baseball tonight and all this like people legit, Jimmy Rollins? Yeah, they're talking about Jimmy Rollins and and another uh a uh, Philadelphia radio host was talking that he says he is a Hall of Fame. Remember, I mean, I,
2: you know what? Jim, here's my problem with Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy Rollins had some. Is a decent shortstop. No, uh, he's better
1: than decent. He's Come a on, decent
2: he's shortstop, and he had two very good years. The MVP year, he was yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. He had another year that he was. 06, yeah. oh, he was very good. Mm-hmm. Other than that, he's been a, a run of the mill. No, I
3: disagree. Shortstop. I disagree with the
1: when is he? What is his average? Well, what is his career average? His lifetime average, average is two sixty eight. But no, no, no. Are he you talking field. about hitting? I mean, fielding?
2: Yes, I mean, he's, he's, he's very,
1: No, well, he's very good. Yeah, but
2: there's run. a lot of good fielding shortstops that also are.
1: When the balls hit the shortstop, you pretty much know he that he, he eats it up. I mean, he's a he's a good shortstop. Now, Hall of Fame to me means you you, you are the best at your position for six, seven, eight to ten years. Uh huh. Was he ever that? Like, I just, now Now no. we, we saw him play. See, here's the thing. We see him day in and day out. That's a true. lot of national guys don't see him. They see highlights, you know, how many times on sports aren't you see highlights of guys popping up unless it's the last out, you yeah, don't like you're true. you're seeing, you know, you're seeing him make phenomenal plays. You're seeing, Oh, Jimmy Rollins hit a home run, hit a triple. We see the day to day that he's a horrendous left-handed hitter. He's not clutch. Um, he basically, he can't drive the ball anymore. Uh, I, don't, I just don't see him being a. I have a hard time putting a guy in the Hall of Fame with a two sixty eight batting average. With that said, Ozzy Smith's career batting average is two sixty two. but he's the only guy who really got in on defense. Yeah, he, he was like a 15 time Gold Glover. Yeah, um, you know, absolutely. I, I mean, the best sh- fielding shortstop of all time. He got in on defense. I just don't see Rollins as a as a Hall of Famer. When I think Jimmy Rollins, I think good player. I don't think Hall of Famer. No,
2: I don't think Hall of Famer either. I don't think he'll end up there. Uh. Because, cause you say Ozzy Smith, and again, I didn't. I didn't live in St. Louis. I was. I was obviously a baby when he was playing, but. Right. Uh... I think of Ozzy Smith and I think like you said, great yeah. great fielder but Hall of Famer. Like I think he he's, he's the whole... probably
1: the one guy that got in on defense.
2: Yeah. But like I you look at Jimmy and you're just I just don't see it. I don't see the same the same thing and maybe it's because I see him pop up every other bat right. and swing for the fence. I mean Ozzy Smith had frustrates me. I think
1: Ozzie Smith had like twenty eight career home runs. I mean he couldn't hit the ball you know, obviously he but his his thing wasn't a power hitter. He was a he was a lead off hitter. Or I guess he batted second when Vince Coleman was there. Those Cardinal teams, did you remember those teams, were you too young? Like '85, you were young, right? Yeah, I was five. Yeah, so you don't remember those. You don't remember those Cardinal teams. They were, I mean, they were fast. They had Ozzy Smith and Vince Coleman and Willie McGee, Tommy Hurt, Jack. I mean, these guys. They would steal. They would steal bases left and right. I think they won the '82 World Series. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they got there in '85, maybe against the Royals. I don't know, but. That was uh they they were fun teams to watch they were they were really good teams but
2: well Jimmy has uh he has what four Gold Gloves mm-hmm. he won three in a row from 2007 to 2009 okay. and he just won last year okay so you know he has a good fielding shortstop but look at I mean
1: look at his look at his numbers I mean his 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 look, look at the last four years Kev his batting average two seventy seven two fifty you know like it's not good yeah this year he's batting I think two forty nine.
2: Adi Smith had thirteen consecutive gold Gold gloves. gloves,
1: Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, he was a machine. He was.
2: That's, but that's. I mean, here's the thing. Jimmy obviously had a little more pop. He was a little Mm -hmm. better hitter, Mm -hmm. and he was a good fielder. I just don't see Hall of Fame. And Mm -hmm. you know, when you look at the numbers, it's tough because I I am I'm I'm cursed by watching him every single day and being frustrated with him. Who's
1: better, Omar Vizquel or Jimmy Rollins?
2: Jimmy Rollins.
1: Now, see, Omar Vizquel has. Look up Omar Vizquel's number. He's I remember him for the he, Indians. He, yeah. Omar Vizquel has 100 gold gloves, and he's closing in on 3,000 hits.
2: He really did have a lot of gold and gloves. And he's closing
1: in on 3,000 hits.
2: Were they just giving gold gloves to Cal Ripken Jr. just as like a uh,
1: – Yeah, I mean – Was I, it a giveaway? A giveaway like, day?
2: A giveaway at Baltimore?
1: <laughs> I don't remember Cal Ripken being a great fielder, but I guess he was solid. I mean
2: – What was Cal Ripken he, – he, I guess he was, a, he was a good all-around player, but –
1: well, three thousand hits and four hundred home runs. Yeah,
2: that's uh, that's a pretty More good hitter. Than, yeah, and plus the uh, I have his rookie card. Do you think see? it's worth anything?
1: Not anymore. Baseball cards aren't worth anything anymore.
2: So I should have sold while they were hot.
1: Yes, but now Cal Ripken does. Does the Iron Man, that uh, you know the whatever how many games he played in a row, does that impress you? Mm. Yeah. See,
2: Not really. Yeah, it does. To, to me, I'm like, like flipping, flip flopping. Yeah, and but,
1: but to me like. I mean, I know mailmen who never miss days of work. I mean, he just went to work every day. I, I, Are you really? Yeah, my mailman is there. My mailman every day. Yeah, range. but your
2: yeah, but your mailman's not also not dodging ninety mile an hour fastballs.
1: He's or not. He? He's not. But Cal Rip can also hurt. Dog. I think the streak. I think the streak have at, at some points actually hurt the teams. There were times when he he probably shouldn't have been playing, and he still played because of the streak. Yeah. Um
2: so it became almost a it, little bit of a It
1: came a little not I don't want to say sideshow like the A-Rod thing is right now which we'll get into in a couple minutes. That's become just an absolute That is a sideshow. It, it, it's got and I mean it's embarrassing for everyone involved now. And and Kev, why the hell is he still playing? I
3: don't
1: he, know. He, he's affected last night he hits a home run to win the game. He's still playing after cheating and doing everything. The guy should not be playing major league baseball right now. It's an it's an outrage that he's playing.
2: It, it,
1: it, it's an I, outrage! Why? Why the hell is he playing? He's still affecting games.
2: I don't know. It's well, I, I the whole, the whole. I, we have a, a lot to talk about with the a hole a rod situation.
1: A hole? I thought you just said a
2: hole. <laughs> did I? Uh,
1: Freudian slip?
2: Was it? I might have. Did I say a hole?
1: I, I don't know. I thought you. I thought. I don't know.
2: I'm, I probably did. A rod. A hole. A <laughs> rod. A <laughs> rod. Uh. That whole situation, I think, you know, like you, like you're saying, it is it's a it's a it's a carousel, it's a merry-go-round. It's it's he's just he's just attracting he's he's just it's like you are single-handedly hurting base. It's like you are sent out to just try to destroy baseball. Like the one person, you're saying, this guy is going to destroy, but he's going to send it all crashing down.
1: Now, why we're still talking about him is obviously he's still playing. Like. Guys like Antonio Bastardo, they just took their suspension and you don't hear from him anymore. They're not – I mean, really, the other guys, you don't hear from them. It's true. But A-Rod continued, continuing to play, tampered with the evidence, and, I mean, everyone knows the guy's been on steroids. I mean, he, he said he's been on steroids since Texas, probably before in high. I mean – He's a
2: joke. And, yeah, you're right. He. I don't understand how – I don't – see, this is what's wrong – with the world, the legal system, the, the players union. I mean, it's just, it's, it's an absolute joke because you have guys like Arod who continue to play because they just say, you know what? I'm, I found a loophole, so I'm going to continue play. He continued to play because he wanted his money. That's the, that's the issue. He found a loophole. That's going to get him that contract. If he didn't play, he wasn't getting all the contract because he had to play a certain number of games to get his, his bonus or to fulfill the, the obligations. He didn't play enough games. Now that he appealed it, he's going to get it, which is – which is here's – we talked about players' unions before. I think there's a need for it in some regards. However, with the drug testing, if you want to stop steroids in baseball, here's how you do it. You say, if you get caught with, with drugs, if you get caught using steroids, your contract is void because – we talked about. It. I mean, there's polls out there. Would kids use steroids if knowing what they do now? Yes, they well, would.
1: If steroid, if you're going to use steroids and it's going to get, it's going to get you for three years, you're going to hit 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. Well, you may get a 80 million dollar contract uh-huh. for using three years of steroids, and then if you get caught, who cares? You're still going to get the money. So what is the what's stopping people from using steroids? There's
2: that's the thing that's that's exactly the issue. It all comes down to the money. But the players' union is protecting these guys and saying they I don't care if they do steroids. I don't care if they do drugs. I don't care if they kill someone. If you offer them this contract, it's on you. So they're putting the owners at a at a disadvantage. And we talked about this before. There's no way some of these contracts are going to be sticking around. Uh, some of, some of these ridiculous long term deals. Uh, I think it's good, really gonna really come to a come to a head and they're gonna have to stop however, that being said the players union needs to if you're if you're representing baseball and you think that you you wanna portray a clean game and steroids are illegal, why are you gonna back people who do steroids why are you gonna say no and make it a, it's illegal for you to go and test a certain number of times it's illegal for you to uh, to to take his mont take his contract if he's get gets accused like no you're a scumbag if he gets accused of doing steroids just like if if someone's in a nor- normal job and they get drug tested and they fail their drug test guess what they're getting you're fired, fired. Yeah, it's right. like the, it, you need to have some semblance of reality in the sport and there's no semblance of reality it's like that well, you can no do reality, whatever you
1: want but there's no reality Kevin I mean think about it. We're numb to the money. I mean, we hear we hear guys sign hundred fifty million dollar, dollar contracts. It's nothing. Think about that: hundred and fifty yeah. million dollars.
2: You're like, that's it,
1: right? I mean, it's become funny money. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's funny money now. Like nobody, it doesn't sink in. But when you really think about guys making twenty eight million dollars a year, uh huh. Twenty eight million a year signing. I mean, a, Paul has a three hundred million dollar contract. Yeah. Three hundred million.
2: It's ridiculous it makes it makes it
1: hundred million
2: it, it makes it look like peanuts when I'm paying to get a new air conditioning and heating unit installed in my house and it's just you you look at some of the finances you have and you're like, oh boy you know like you you have this you have this because you're you know i mean I played but I'm living in the real world i'm I'm not playing anymore, and I wasn't making millions and millions right, 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 of dollars right, right. I played overseas but like you're right. it's like it's it's funny money it's there's no there's no grasp on reality in professional sports it doesn't seem it's it's falling further and further from reality uh they're they're being they're either being chastised or praised uh on on a different level on a different pedestal which you know if you're going to make that money, you have to be open to but it's just there something has to give, and I understand that am- are the reason. Right, that, we keep happening. going to the
1: games. Well, find, yeah. we buy the shirts. We go to the games.
2: Exactly. I'm sitting there bitching and moaning that they need to go out and spend money this year and get get this guy, get a right. pitcher, get a good it, guy it, in it, the bullpen. Right.
1: It's, it's easy to spend other people's money. It you is. know, we're yeah. we're going. Come on, Ruben, sign uh, sign Josh Hamlin. Come on, 25 yeah. million. Come Jesus. on, it's only 25 mil. Sign him. You know, it's easy to throw around Ruben. Uh, you know, in the Phillies' money, but Swim in my money pool with that. Right, but that's baseball should have a salary cap. Yeah. It really should. I a mean, a celery cap. A celery cap, yeah. <laughs> although, although you look at it, though, I mean, you look at a lot of the teams that, that win the World Series. I mean, the Giants don't have a huge payroll when they won. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals, you know, had pool holes, but the Cardinals won last year, too, right? Who won the World Series last year? The Cardinals or the Giants? Giants. Giants, yeah. I mean, uh, you look at some of like the, Phillies had a monster payroll in 2008. Obviously, they, uh, Yankees had a monster payroll in 2009, but look at the Marlins—they won in 2003 and 2007, I think, or 97 and 2003, maybe. And uh, you know, they didn't have a great payroll. Um, you know, baseball is kind of the sport where you don't need—you don't need a bunch of superstars like basketball.
3: Uh-huh.
1: You're, you're never going to see a basketball team, I guess, aside from the 2004 Pistons, or what was it, 2005, that uh, didn't really have a superstar. Mm-hmm. I mean, nowadays in basketball, you need a superstar. Football, you need a superstar quarterback. Um, baseball, you don't really need that big, big name. If you have good, solid players, good hitters, you can win. You can win a World Series.
2: Yeah, it's true. I, I think, and that's why I, I, when we come comes down to it, I don't think the Phillies are that far away. But that's, I mean, that's not, neither, neither here, here nor there. Neither here nor there. So, Mike. Ryan Dempster last night. What happened? Uh, he he, you know, he steps up. He throws throws at A Rod a few times, and then
1: and finally hits him. Your thoughts? Well, Major League Baseball is in a kind of a tough tough position here. They have to find Dempster. If they don't, it's going to be the whole conspiracy. I mean, if they don't, it's going to be that whole conspiracy again. Uh, you know, everybody's out to get A Rod, so they're going to have to suspend them. He should have got. He should have got tossed last night. Did he get? He didn't get tossed out of the game, right? No. Yeah, he. Should, I mean, he threw. What he threw behind him twice.
2: Yeah, and then, and then, hit, then him. hit him. Uh
1: huh. Yeah, I mean, he should. I mean, yeah, on. it's
2: it's ridiculous. I mean, come on. I mean, even
1: that, that, that's why I always say like these guys. If a guy charges a baseball man with a bat, okay. Let, let let's say a rod charged him mound with a bat last night. Mm-hmm. He's getting locked up for attempted. Um, Assault, attempted assault, assault with a, with a deadly, with weapon. deadly weapon. Mm-hmm. Yet throwing a 95-mile-per-hour baseball at someone is not considered a deadly weapon. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I just don't get it. I think it's – look, you have to do it. The game pleases itself, and everyone's going, oh, it's a cowardly act by Dempster. It's it's not a cowardly act. It was a cowardly act by CeCe Sabathia not retaliating.
2: That, I couldn't believe – And CeCe
1: Sabathia stinks right now, by the way. Yeah, he would have got a five-game suspension, and the Yankees would have been better off. He stinks right now. And he, I mean, he he really is not good right now. And uh, yeah, I mean, he should have stuck up for for his teammate. Um, but
2: here's the thing: they, I don't think at what okay. Here's the question: at at what point does it stop becoming your teammate? I mean, he's A Rod goes out, snitches on Ryan Braun, snitches on some of these guys about the yeah, steroids.
1: But he's still your teammate, though. I mean, he didn't snitch on he didn't snitch on any of his guys. Did yeah, it?
2: but he's he you know he's becoming a snitch. He's a cheater. So he's a cheater and he's a rat, and then so and he's playing on your team. It's like if this is the mafia, he'd be killed. Like if if you if there's a if there's if there's a cheater and a rat in your crew, guess what? They're they're getting snuffed out. You watch the Sopranos. You're not kidding. Yeah. Ask <laughs> Often big, and always, Ask, ask big pussy. <laughs> he got it. So like that's the thing. I mean, you're a cheater and a rat, but so I don't think a lot of these guys really do want to. Pu- it's like. I don't think I think it almost sent a message that the Yankees didn't retaliate. That almost became a message like hey, well, we don't need to retaliate because we don't like him either. I mean, at the, at the, you'd see Brian Cashman saying like all I say is like hi. He doesn't talk to him. And it's
1: it's it's, a, it's ugly. It's really ugly what's going on. It's
2: a bad situation, mm-hmm. but Ryan Dempster throws in him you said it, the the game polices itself. The Yankees don't retaliate. Maybe that was a maybe that's policing too. Maybe it's like, well, we don't really care. He can, he can go. He can go pound sand. I don't really care. It's, it, it,
1: guys have to be kind of upset that he's still playing after cheating and doing everything he, he's done. I, I think guys have to be upset about it. Yeah, um,
2: I would think so. One would think that now, they would be upset.
1: Now, two hundred eleven game suspension. I, I think it's fair. I mean I You I've, just need the The extent of what the extent of what
2: he was doing, it's just it there's something that something needs to give. They should have if you kick Babe Ruth uh, Babe Ruth. What is wrong with me? I I swear, you know what? Did you drop a weight on your on your head? <laughs> I had uh now, you know, I y Olivia usually wakes up around seven seven thirty or so. So I'm just like okay, you know I can I can get up because you know during the summer I'm off from teaching, but you know I'm I'm trying to do this I'm trying to do that and I wake up I try to take care I'm taking care of her for a little bit so at around seven I'm usually expecting to wake up at like seven thirty seven forty five sometimes later six thirty this morning Olivia starts crying and it's like you ever and I, Sarah's going off to work I'm just I'm laying in bed like. Please don't let this be real, please. Uh,
1: now, does she sleep through the night? Yeah, she sleeps through the. And night. you're complaining about getting up at seven thirty or seven forty-five and later. No, it was, it was
2: six thirty today.
1: But you said normally she gets up at seven. Oh yeah. Are you kidding me?
2: What time does Riley get up?
1: Anywhere from five fifty to seven o'clock. Really? Yeah, but she sleeps through the night. I don't. I don't know. But what time does she go to bed? Eight. She goes to bed. We try to put her at seven thirty, eight o'clock, like, like no later than eight thirty. Really? Yeah, but I mean, obviously, some nights she'll be up later if we're out or yeah. whatever. But she's on a pretty good schedule. But I don't know. I I think that's great. How, how old's is she? Nine? Is she nine months?
2: Uh, she's gonna be eleven months.
1: She's gonna be eleven months. So I don't know. I think that's pretty good if she's sleeping through the night and she is. I mean, obviously, there's some nights she's gonna get up in the middle of the night. Yeah, it was just it was just one of those nights. You know, I. It never fails though, Kev. Like, it was the night I, I stayed up late. That's the thing, but it never fails. Like, if you have to get up early the next day or something uh-huh. like that, it never fails that they get up in the middle of the night. Like Riley, if, if 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 like Rachel or I had to get up early the next day to be somewhere, it would never fail that she would be up for two three hours in the middle of the night just on that night. Yeah, it was like it was clockwork. <laughs>
2: All right, we have on the line with uh Stacy August. Stacy is the mother of. uh of Prince Fielder and uh, former former wife of uh, Cecil Fielder, Stacy. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us tonight.
0: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me.
2: So, so Stacy, uh, you know you raised a major league baseball star. You were married to a major league baseball star. When when you when you're growing, how do you how do you not put that pressure on that on your son Prince? How do you not have that pressure to see you know look what Dad's doing and and have him succeed like he has
0: how do i not put the pressure on look at what when he When when he was gr-
2: Yeah, when he was growing up like did you did, was he, did he have the pressure that he was going to really going to be the next next great baseball player
0: Oh no 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 we didn't um we didn't raise prince uh, uh where we made the decisions uh for him as to what he wanted to do uh, in his life when he got older so um whatever it was that he was interested in um we uh you know we let him we let him get a shot at it of course I think it was kind of um he probably was bred for for uh, athletics as I ran track and then and I played basketball and Cecil was uh, a basketball football and a baseball star in high school uh when we met um so uh I think that uh, him being in the in you know around the game at such a young age, it just you know it just was like, I guess the 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 uh, natural <laughs> direction for him to go in. But we didn't pressure him when he was younger. Um, the only thing that I pressured him uh, not to do, as it related to any sport, was I didn't want my baby playing football. <laughs> <laughs> so when he was younger and he wanted to play football, I said only flag because I didn't want to hit my baby. Of course, of course, Seth was Seth looked at me crazy and said, "That big boy, nobody's gonna hit him, you know." Good, he's been doing hit. So, huh?
1: Now, St- Stacy, when did you? When did you? You know kind of know that that prince was on his way to being um a, a superstar baseball player I mean, was it an early usually you could tell in an early age like was in little league was he just head and shoulders above everyone else or was it a little bit later
0: actually uh i kind of knew that if he did go in the direction of of athletics uh, specifically uh baseball that he would probably be a phenom at 15 months old <laughs> he was 15 months old <laughs> because he was uh he was swinging bats and and uh, spoons and hairbrushes and anything that kind of <laughs> you' had the feel of a bat he was swinging it running around the coffee table sliding and saying safe so uh so it was uh you know watching it on t v and then of course sitting at the ballpark at a young age um like i said he was he was uh um uh, mimicking and doing all that stuff with with, with uh baseball from 15 months old, as a matter of fact, we were in the minor leagues, and um, we were in uh, Tennessee, and in Knoxville, Tennessee, and Prince was swinging right with one of those little, you know, one of the little bats you get from the ballpark, and um, he was 15 months old, and Cecil was walking out the door to go to the game, or to go to, you know, at 3 o'clock to go to uh, work, actually, to go to the game, and he saw Prince, and then he said, wait, 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 bruh. And so he grabbed a bat and he turned him around and said, "Swing from this side. You are going to make a whole lot of money that way." <laughs> <laughs> and he put it he put it in his head and and showed him how to swing left-handed. <laughs> wow. I uh,
1: paid off. So now, yeah, so, he
0: yeah, 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 so Prince was doing it ever since,
2: you know. So you know, you're talking about some of the minor leagues and things like that. Uh and uh, just that story there how much do you think it helped uh prince being around all these i mean being around the Detroit Tigers being around all these organizations and seeing all these guys play day in and day out what do you, how much of the influence do you think that had to kind of push him okay well i'm not going to play basketball i'm not going to play i'm although i'm a phenomenal athlete i'm going to probably i'm sticking to baseball
0: um i think i think being around uh it what it did was it gave him a maturity level within this particular sport because he was able to be in the clubhouse he was able to be around his dad he was able to see a lot of things that maybe some other kids um you know don't have the privilege of being able to experience uh and Prince is, is probably if, if i want to say uh where perfection is concerned he's his only own worst enemy he competes against himself which he has very very high standards that i today have to tell him you got to lighten up buddy it's okay <laughs> you know <laughs> but um but uh you know just being around the game uh, uh sparky anderson allowing salsa to let him come in the clubhouse uh Cecil taking him under his wing him uh playing with the the big leaguers in the clubhouse where they throw him in the trash can him learning the um the unwritten rules uh of, of baseball allowed him to be um mature at a younger age in the game and uh, and i think it i think it it, it definitely Gave him an edge, you know. Uh, He he not only had the God given talent, but he also was able to, um, you know, get get a little extra skills behind (laughs) his God given talent, which gave him an extra edge over maybe over another child who just maybe have had the talent. Because Cecil, when he was when he when Cecil played, Cecil only had the talent. Cecil didn't have that. you know, he didn't have somebody before him that actually could show him the ropes. So everything right, was right. like, you know, huh, trial new. and error.
1: Yep. <laughs> wow, that's pretty interesting. Stacey, let, let's talk about you for uh, a little bit. In 2010, you started uh, a league of their own incorporated, a nonprofit, Wealth Empowerment and Financial Liter- Literacy Institute. Um, now you're working with Professional Sports Association to start um, the credit union. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what you're what you're trying to accomplish?
0: Well, um, actually what, what we are is we're an educational resource uh, for those in the pro-source industry who, who want to enhance their knowledge about protecting, preserving, and passing on their wealth. Um, just, you know, a little bit uh, from experience, um, I'm talking to you on this on this blog talk radio as a grace in action, meaning that whatever could have gone wrong um financially and otherwise, with me and Cecil in the game, did go wrong. Uh, only, and I say that only to say that it's just through divine, God's divine grace that I went through those troubles and went on like a journey to find out what had happened to uh, our family. Because I know that the personally, um, the the dissipation of our family, there was a strong foundational love But something went wrong, and and I couldn't quite figure out what it was. And then when I went on my journey to try to figure out what had changed once we got into the pro sports industry with the financial wealth, uh, I realized that there were no systems or structures or strategies um, available to us, you know, uh, through, through somebody sharing it with us and uh and so so we kind of governed our money from a managerial uh position instead of an ownership position, so there was no checks and balances on you know some of the uh people that were in our lives with fiduciary duties and and um and we had the mindset like most young people uh that you know where where we weren't gifted uh with the knowledge of how to uh you know, in, in the wealth area where we weren't gifted in that area. We we delegated it but we delegated it from a place that I think at one point we kind of figured like the agent and the and the and the and the, and the financial advisor that we worked for them. They didn't work for us. <laughs> you know, so so we didn't so so there was questions that um we only knew to ask the questions that we knew to ask, but they didn't offer uh the educational resource or the the advice or or, or that we really should have gotten. So, from that perspective, I uh, I was reading um, Jack Canfield's success principles, and I came across a proprietary system by Lee Brower called um, Empowered Wealth, and I uh, became a, a quadrant living specialist, you know, and, and learned some of the some of the uh, the, the concepts of his system that helped to capture. Uh, all your assets, not just the financial resources, uh, and 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 put it in perspective that the financial resources were to empower, say your core assets and your intellectual assets and your social assets, and so uh, and then of of course it was a three a three um, uh, step process, but ultimately what it does is gives you a guide map that you and your family could have that you could kind of refer back to. Um, as to what your mission and your vision is for your family as the founders of this sudden wealth, I think you guys have heard probably of sudden wealth that sudden wealth syndrome that's going around now, you mm-hmm. know we're talking about, which is the psychological uh aspect of what is going on with these you know with 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 these athletes they're young when they um when they when they're playing of course you know uh, uh you gotta have your physical ability and it's only in your youth, you know what I
3: mean? <laughs> right. yeah, absolutely.
0: At this age I'm like, wow, I didn't know how strong I was back then. But anyway, <laughs> um it, it's it's in their youth. So and they're getting uh, you know, as 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 the sports industry is going, you know, there's a lot of money involved in the game all over you know, and so these athletes are getting uh the opportunity to be blessed with um, you know, a a lot of financial wealth. But uh I mean, physically then they don't even have the brain capacity. Their brain isn't even developed to to reason long term. I don't mm-hmm. I think that's not to you, twenty five or twenty six there's that that part of the brain actually develops. So what needs to happen is um they really need somebody that really has an um, objective point of view, somebody that has no uh agenda attached to you know, uh to to, to them in the sense that it makes their career, makes their job. And I, I believe that they really needed uh, somebody that would, would take those concepts, take the financial concepts, and speak their language and uh, make it in a language so they could understand it and, and, and help them to be able to govern their um, financial resources as well as their, their, their all of their assets from an authoritative uh, ownership place. As opposed mm-hmm. to, uh, to a managerial place. When we go to when, when we go to college, you know, we get our MBA, and actually, you know, they teach us how to become managers. They don't really teach you how to be an owner. When you when you have a mindset of an owner, um, you have more skin in the game, and you know, you treat your business like it's your baby. You know, nobody really can do it like you do, and you kind of go to bed with it. You wake up with it uh some one of the areas that I share with the athletes um is that say say my son prince prince could never really delegate his swing to anybody else tiger woods couldn't delegate his swing to anybody else michael jordan couldn't delegate his jump shot to anybody else
3: so mm-hmm. there are other
0: areas of your life that it's just um it's just a natural thing that you have to understand you can't delegate that to somebody else as if they can handle it, or they will handle it, or it's their responsibility to handle it, like you. So we try to get them um, to just do their work in, in these areas, uh, and, and and the way that we do that is we, we give them a guide map, structure, strategies, tools, and a guide map, uh, so they can actually see all the different moving parts that make them up. As an enter- enterprise, um, you know, because they earn substantial incomes on the field, but but uh, have a shortage of business experience, and so it, it it leads them to losing a major portion of their net worth uh, off the field. So if if they can learn who they are as an enterprise and learn how to manage that, I think that mm-hmm. the transition that they make, uh, they'll they'll have a, you know, they'll have they'll have the knowledge as to how to. Run a um, a car dealership or run a you know another business, uh, and 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 I think that I think that it can help. The uh, what is the what is the the, the percentage? I'm just going to do around by 85 percent across the board of pro sports athletes within a short mm-hmm. period of time is broke, busted, yeah. disgusted families to exactly. are torn
2: apart. Yeah.
0: Players players' choice is really about the families first. Um, you know, being, being having so much skin in the game. You know, being in it almost thirty years myself, and coming from a, a nurturing position. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't look at the athletes as a product. They're human, and mm-hmm. it's hard to it is hard to have feel sorry for somebody that's had a lot of money, and then all of a sudden it's not there. And yeah. the uh, the stereotype that goes along with them is that they are dumb. They're not yeah
2: mismanaged. Yeah, They're
0: ignorant. They're ignorant to the the, the 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 knowledge that they need. And 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 I just believe that some of these people that they are employing that um, have fiduciary duties to them, I think they owe it not only to the player but to themselves to educate them on uh uh you know to educate them to to, to really own their own their own uh lives now they Mm -hmm. can they can you know after a little while with all that subtle hypnotism you get when you you know when you ride in a limousine and you know you're coming out of uh situations where you've never really had this abundance of uh wealth and stuff you know what i mean so so there's an area of fear that Uh that uh, creates this, this this idea that the restaurant look at them like they can be kind of arrogant when really what it is is they don't know the right questions to ask. And, you know, if you if, if 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 you can get in through the front door and they'll let you in the front door of the restaurant and give you a special room or whatever, there's some sense of um uh uh, uh, uh of wonderment that you have about yourself to say, Wow you know and yeah. uh and 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 we created this this place i call it a place of grace that allows them to ask questions and there's no such dumb question
3: mm-hmm.
0: um so 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 that is that was that is the concept and um and our focus with the leagues of their own with the women is to uh basically help them uh because you know the guys get the guys first of all they get a, they get a lot of credit the women the women at the end of the day uh you know like the media don't treat them right Mm-hmm. If the guy's not being treated right, they don't treat him right because they don't really know the story, you know. What I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and and it's not a and it's not a it, it has it has its wonderful perks, but it's not all uh, glitz and glamour and high heel shoes, and it's not uh, and it definitely is not uh, basketball wise or <laughs> yeah the <laughs> reality show. It definitely isn't. That. <laughs> it's not a you know not, a, not that's probably five percent. You know what I mean? <laughs>
2: yeah, that's a, yeah.
0: But that's that yeah. That's, that's a, to me is a huge misrepresentation. Uh huh. You know that? That's... Yeah, that just shows the stereotype that is being perpetuated. That is not a truth. You know what I mean?
2: Mm hmm. Well, yeah. you you said you hit it on hit the nail on the head. I mean, the stats are are staggering in terms of uh, you know players who who end up going broke and. And things like that, and you're right. They they're, that's not being portrayed by the media because you're seeing basketball wives and all these things. And you're right. That's the that's that that other few percent that's uh, that's obviously living it, living it now. And you know, you, yeah. you always have to have people in their telling people in their ear, telling get, people acting in the best interest of the players and things like that. And you know, there's yeah. programs in place, but just like you said, there's not really. The, you're you're really setting up something for more on the on the uh, the other side, and which is yeah. unbelievable.
0: And not but, to not to not to uh, you know I I hope that I'm not coming across like I'm laying the blame on you know these yeah. people with the fiduciary duties because the athletes and themselves they have you know a responsibility you know they have a stewardship responsibility to this great wealth but they have to see it as as an opportunity uh, and and stay in that mind frame, because I think initially they do see it as an opportunity and they are really generous, really, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because, because they, they actually get to self-actualize in their, in their uh, career early. You know, most, most people have go 30 years before they find, finally walk into the, the uh, work that they love so much, you know, so they get Mm -hmm. to play around at it. These guys, are are walk into what they love early on. So when the, when you make the, when they make the transition, you know it's a sense of it's almost like a death, like like um, a death to the thing that you love the most. And unless they have some kind of foundation, unless they can see that they are not they are not just the ball player. They are not just the the, uh, the you know my son would not just be the Detroit Tiger. He is not just the fans ball player. He's you know he is a human being with a, a whole lot more talents. And and going back to the first question that you asked me about, you know, when they're younger, uh, and I think that that's what parents should do, allow their children to, um, you know, experience a lot of different things. Uh, pour mm-hmm. into them in the area that they focus on the most at a young age. Get them, like, the, I think there's a book called Outline, give them the 10,000 hours by the time they're, Twenty, they'll be a professional at it. So, and and that is that is the blessing, and the gift of um, uh, that God allowed for my son. So That's I'm, I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. That's
2: awesome, Stacy I mean, my wife. This is very interesting because my wife is texting me non-stop. My wife is. I play professional basketball, and I think I bought mm-hmm. her a pair of high heels at one point. So she's texting me non-stop. She's like, "This is great." So you, you know, very. <laughs> Very informative, uh I was not on the level of your son or uh, or Cecil so uh but yeah but uh you, but know, did, you g-
0: did you did you see it to be similar? Do you see that though do you see what I, I'm saying as, as, well you know? it's
2: interest it's interesting when you're talking about that I mean there's a lot of guys I played with and I played overseas where the the salaries ranged, but I mean there's guys who are probably making a million uh who I was playing with, and they're they're you know their wives are decked out in all the gear and stuff like that, and they're 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 living the dream right now. And it's like, I don't know. Me and my wife were never like that because it's like, well, I, we were very grounded and we just didn't really find the need. I was never a showy kind of guy, so I never wanted to show off the, anything. So I think you see that. And who knows where these guys are now? I mean, I, I've lost contact, yeah. with them, But they could be they can be in com in complete disarray right now, going bankrupt yeah, with right. all the money they had.
1: I think one of the toughest things, too, is a lot of times, especially with NBA players, a lot of these kids are coming from the inner cities, and you're throwing millions and millions of dollars at them when they're 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. They have no idea kind of how to handle it. A lot of times the agents are just trying to take advantage of them not knowing much, and it's tough. They don't know how to handle their money at such an early age.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you know, that that's one of the principles that we try to offer to them is the principles mm-hmm. of checks and balances. That the selection of their sports representation should begin with an understanding that the agent and other professionals uh, work for the athlete, not the other way around. You know what I mean? So all. Um, all the athlete decisions should be made after after they get the advice from the qualified professionals, you know, like the agents, accountants, financial planners, mm-hmm. insurance agents, and realtors, you know, people like that, um, that don't have a close personal or business tie to each other, because we all know what that does. And mm-hmm. if you had enough time, I could tell you some, some horror war stories that uh, I think, uh, gives me a great uh opportunity puts me uh in a position to be able to really go a little deeper than, than than even some of the experiences that um uh that you wouldn't even you wouldn't even think about and and in sharing some of these things with some of the wives and then them going back and checking their, uh, you know, just just their their resources and their financial wealth, and and even just looking at their documents, they're seeing things that they never would have even thought to. Sometimes even the financial uh, uh the agents um or the financial advisors don't even don't even think uh, of crimes of opportunity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but. Our goal is to, is to share with them that you know you, you can't keep you can't you gotta lock the door you can't put a crack in the door because wherever there is an uh, um, an opportunity there will be a it, there's a crime of opportunity you know depending on the way the wind blowing in somebody's life uh you know that you know the, nobody's nobody's um you know everybody's the same on that level you know what i mean so we don't yeah. so our thing is you have to really govern it accordingly govern all the moving parts that make you up as an enterprise you know and uh and so we show them uh the moving parts and of course they tell us because every family is different um, but we show them a foundation to what makes them up as an enterprise in the legal aspects of who they are, and then of course in the in the natural aspects of who they are they 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 know who they are, and we try to show them the two so that they don't get convoluted and then these guys you know they kind of lose themselves, you know what I mean mm-hmm. so this way they have a they have a guide map and they have some clarity so once once they get clarity as to who they are, not just the this great athlete uh, with, with this talent, but also the, you know they they, are, they have an extension of themselves because of this talent and and the gift that God gave them, and they have the opportunity to not just impact their family for generations to come, but I think athletes collectively can kind of you know tilt the world back up on its right axis with all them resources. You know what I mean? If if, mm-hmm. if
3: they can
0: if they can direct them in the areas that mean most to them a lot of the money is gone somebody got mm-hmm. to go in somewhere but it didn't go to the to the heart to the places um of the heart of the the founders who did the work to receive it
3: mm-hmm. because
0: of lack of knowledge and the, you know the bible tells us that you know a people perish for a lack of knowledge so our goal is to get them educated those who who want um to enhance their knowledge on how to preserve perpetuate and um and protect uh, their wealth for legacy,
2: sustainability and peace of mind. Yes, absolutely. We were talking on the phone with Stacy August, uh, founder of players choice, wealth care network, founder of, uh, of the, the, excuse me, the, uh, L O T O and author. Yes. Sorry. The, uh, the league of their own, uh, incorporated and author of stealing home on a fielder's choice. Uh, the mother of Prince fielder, uh, on the phone with us right now, uh, Stacy. We really appreciated your insight. Uh, really appreciated everything. We are we are both Phillies fans, so we have nothing to oh. look forward to this year. So we will be rooting for your son <laughs> well, <laughs> and I'm the sorry. Detroit Tigers. It looks like. Thank you, thank it you, Stacy. Like we really appreciate. They
0: were going for it, huh?
2: Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank, <laughs> you thank you, Stacy. You,
0: have a okay. good night. Thank you. Okay. So,
2: Stacy August, uh, we were joined by Stacy August on the phone. Uh, the very interesting stuff, which is why we kind of let it go. Uh, you know, it's it was very very interesting to to kind of hear the 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 side of like the why's. Okay, so you know, married, I was married to Cecil Fielder, and you see how some of these some of these people act. And you know, it's first time money. It's like, okay, I'm I'm boom boom. I'm buying this. I'm buying I this. I'm I mean, buying how, this. How
1: would we react? I mean, let's say we hit the lottery. Let's say, matchup, let's, let's say the matchup,
2: let's say the matchup, matchup zone goes national. Right. What yeah. is kind of national? Let's say it goes national on a, on a uh, different scale.
1: But 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 I, let's say let's say you hit the lottery for three hundred million dollars. Yeah, I mean right away. You're gonna you're gonna go get a you're gonna buy a shore house. You're yeah. gonna buy things you want. You you might buy a boat. You might buy. I mean, I
2: don't a, like boats.
1: Well, I, I, you might buy a a small island. Who I don't know. You that, might buy, that, uh, I don't you buy might an buy island. A, you know, you'll go buy maybe a house in Florida. I mean, you have so much money, you just start buying stuff. we, yeah. we won't buy, It's you don't know how to when you have that money. Yeah,
2: it's like how do. You, People, I mean, you ever see Brewster's Million? Yes, I did. I was, Richard uh, Pryor. I, I did see that. I, movie. I, I, you the God, you, you I, thought there was
1: no chance I saw like that. Like every I'm single
2: right? time I ask him about a movie, my next, my immediate quote to follow is like, "No, never mind." But yeah, yeah Brewster's yep. Million.
1: Did they give him like a three hundred million dollars or a yeah, hundred million? Yeah, and, they're, and they're they like, try to
2: spend it. Spend it. In, spend it in this. Yep. What was it? A week or something? He had I forget. like yeah. a few days to spend as much money as he as he could. I mean, it can be done. People say, oh, like, Iverson. yeah, like, people say, I, I couldn't spend that in a lifetime. You can, yes, you can, you, you can spend it My in days. Is,
1: See, the problem is, too, a lot of these pro athletes, the former athletes, like, Sports Illustrated reported, Kevin, 2009, 78% of NFL players have gone bankrupt after two years of retirement. About 60% of NBA players were broke within five years, excuse me, five years of retirement, um, according to uh, Sports Magazine. MLB uh, players had the same issues. So, the, a lot of times, Kev, these guys are still spending. You know, when you're getting that three hundred and fifty thousand dollar paycheck every two weeks, mm-hmm. you can buy some stuff. But all of a sudden, you're retired now. They're still spending like they're getting that three hundred and fifty thousand dollar paycheck every two weeks, and they're not. So that's where a lot of these guys get in trouble. They're still buying boats and cars and shore house, and they're buying 200000 You know, Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant bought his wife a four million dollar ring. Yeah, four million dollar ring.
2: That's, well, that's the thing. Here's the here's the, you
1: know that, try doing that when you're retired. Yeah. Now, some of these guys still do it. But that's that's well, where you get that's in
2: the, Yeah, that's the lifestyle. I mean, you, you're accustomed to it. The Iverson, the same thing. Yep. If he if he kept making the money he was making with the Sixers, oh, he would have he would I have, have been he'd be fine right now. Yeah, but totally. I mean, it all runs out and suddenly.
1: Well, that's why I met guys like Magic Johnson opening up movie theaters, yeah. at Starbucks, and buying uh-huh. buying
2: real estate, investing yep. that yep. money properly. And some of these guys have bad investments. Uh, you know, there's guys I played with who I can see them making bad investments, and I'm just like well, – how,
1: well, how about Curt Schilling?
2: Gave geez.
1: $50 million or whatever, almost all his yeah. money to that uh, baseball uh, yeah. video game or some, some, some stupid thing. Why would you – here's my thing. Why would you ever, ever, just,
2: ever it's... go against, like, EA Sports? Like, could you imagine some genius out there saying – you know what? I'm going to make the, uh, it's in, it's a football the game. game. Yeah, I'm going to make, like, a football game that's not Madden. Like, he would – and I'm going to invest $50 million. Like,
1: wh- Well, Kev, it's kind of like the Jersey Shore. If People out there listening are familiar with the Jersey Shore. The Ocean City Boardwalk. Why are you going to open up a pizza shop at the Ocean City Boardwalk? <laughs> really? I mean, Manko – well, now it used to be Mac and Manco, yeah. Now, Manko and They have three, four, five stores, wherever it is, and they just have the market corner. Yeah. You can't get into the place. Yeah. And you see these other places, they open a pizza shop, and there's three people in there. Exactly. Meanwhile, there's a line – Four blocks to get into Mac and Mancos.
2: Yeah, it's just all about it. it's 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 being smart. It's finding the finding the right territory.
1: You're million. Why do you need to invest in something? Put it in a smart mutual fund. Put it
2: and put buy a safe and then <laughs> right. and 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 a, and a shovel and just and bury right. it underground in a right. safe.
1: Right, right. it would yeah, be safer. Stacy August with some really good insight though. I mean, the th- kind of things you don't think about. Um, you know. We hear all these guys making all this money, but you don't hear years after. I mean, occasionally you do, of these guys being bankrupt and things yeah. like that. Like You think these guys are just well well set, which they should be if they yeah. made a proper investment. They have the right people looking after them. Exactly, They should be. Um, speaking of all that money, Kev, uh, this just in. <laughs> the- Angels, Angels announced Albert Pujols will miss the rest of the year with a left foot injury. He's in a second season of a 10-year, $240 million deal. He's breaking down in the second year of this deal.
2: Well, that's because, he, and here's the here's the steroids. Yeah,
1: I knew it was coming. That train was never late. That train that was train's never late. That
2: train is never late. It, it, it's it's not rocket science. It's not, and I'm not throwing acu, bold accusations out there. Yes, you are. I am. <laughs> but like, like here's what if it's if it if it looks like smells like a dog, pays, if it looks like a like, duck smells
1: like a duck and acts like a duck. What is it? My eighth grade prom date. <laughs> I was gonna say you, you walking, hey, you hey, walking
2: from one side of the <laughs> studio to the other.
1: <laughs> I kind of have a weird walk. Like, it, Kevin, I swear to God,
2: you you're very easy to impersonate, though. Like a lot of people can do it.
1: Yeah, it, but it's funny. It, it is it's my like a walk, duck walk. Yeah, like my walk. I kind of walk on my toes, and I try to change my walk for my wedding. <laughs> yeah. Rachel wanted me to like walk down the aisle different, so I tried to change my walk, but. It's so funny, Kev. When, when we we're doing training at the Coliseum back in the day, and I went to school with Terrell Baker, who wound up—I uh, went to grade school with him, who wound up being a great, uh, great basketball player. Played at Florida State, went on to play um, overseas for years, and real regular real player. Haven't seen him probably in fifteen years. Uh huh. So I'm at one end of the gym; he's all the way at the other end of the gym. I'm talking, Kev, because it was two full courts. Okay? Yeah. I mean, he's—I mean, he's hundreds, and hundreds of feet away, and he goes. Yo, my god, I ain't seen that walk in 15 years. I swear <laughs> to god, Kevin, it was hysterical. Like I I guess I didn't know my walk was that uh um, It is it, yeah, it's it, pretty it, it, it's pretty noticeable. Distinguishable?
2: It is very distinguishable. Uh we have uh, on on uh, we have on the line with us right now, uh Tommy John, Tommy John, former Major League Baseball pitcher, um one of the best ba- Major League Baseball pitchers in history, Seventh highest totals uh strikeouts among left handers. Uh now known for his revolutionary
1: when when was that? I thought it was. Uh, what I say? Seven um, seventh all time wins for left handers.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. what I say? Strikeouts? strikeout? Yeah, yeah. If he had two hundred and eighty strikeouts. Uh, so we are joined by Tommy John. Tommy John uh, obviously had a revolutionary surgery. Now named after him. Uh, th- thank you so much for joining us, Tommy.
4: Well, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure.
2: We really, we really appreciate it. So, Tommy. First off, I mean we we're, we're basketball guys. First, uh, we both we both oh, really? played a lot of basketball. Uh, you know, looking back, doing looking you up, you played basketball. Not only were you a very good basketball player, but you were a good basketball player in the uh, state of Indiana.
4: Well, actually, it was a state of confusion because it was. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought a six foot three white guy could play basketball and. Uh, <laughs> I I saw later on that uh I picked the right sport. But no, actually growing up in Terre Haute, Indiana, I was a much better basketball player than I was a baseball player. And um, you know, I uh back home if you played baseball or football or the other sports, um, those were just sports you played in between basketball seasons. And uh, you know, because basketball was everything for us. And um, you know, you go to Pennsylvania at football. You you go. Um, I was coaching baseball uh, down at. In fact, I coached high school baseball against Alex Rodriguez
1: when wow. he was down at. Um,
4: yeah. And uh, so I was. Um, uh, you know, I was in a baseball, and I, I and the football coach came up and he said, uh, "Tommy, what what are we going to do uh, about spring training?" And I said, uh, what do you mean spring training? I said, my guys will be out there. I thought he meant baseball spring training.
3: No, no, no. He said,
4: we have two weeks. We have two weeks of football spring training, five days, Monday through Friday, Monday through Friday. And I said, you do? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay. Uh, you know, that's fine. I'll, uh, how many guys on my team play uh, play football? And uh, so we figured it out, and I said, "Okay, here's all I ask you to do. I will have them over. They will be ready to go for your practice as soon as they can. They'll be in shorts. All I ask you to do is run their butts off, run them <laughs> until they die." And he said, "Sure, you know." He said, "I'll be, I'll, I'll be, I'll be happy to." And uh, and he did. And you know, but. Florida has two weeks of high school spring training football. That's, that's how big football and and we didn't have stuff like that in basketball, but Mm -hmm. uh, although when we went back to school in, in September, we started, our coach had us run cross country and we ran cross Mm -hmm. country to, uh, get ourselves ready for the basketball season. And then in PE class, uh, yeah, they kind of jerry rigged it a little bit, but, um, uh, we had volleyball, and the reason why we had volleyball is it got your timing better for rebounding and for tips and stuff like that.
3: Mm-hmm. But, you sure. know,
4: everything we, we did was geared towards basketball, and I yeah. you know, I was good enough. I had about 50 scholarship offers to play college wow. basketball. Yeah. That's
1: wow, that's awesome. Well, Tom, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, your forte, which uh, later became baseball. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, you never had overpowering stuff. Um, you, you know, you had a very good curveball, good sinking fastball, but you didn't throw as hard as guys like Tom Seaver, Nolan Ryan, guys like that. Why do you think you were able to pitch for 26 years? You know, which is second only to Nolan Ryan and Cap Anson's 27 years. Why were you able to stick around for so long?
4: Well, um, is it the
1: whole left-handed being left-handed?
4: I, uh, that's part of it. Um. I think uh I had good genes from my mom and dad. Mhm. Um I took care of myself. I trained. I kept myself in top-notch shape. Uh I ran every day uh during the season, during the off-season. I ran um and during the in, uh during the season, I threw a baseball every day. I I threw a baseball every day and I think I really I I sincerely believe well, when I say this, and I'm not saying anything about pitch counts or all that,
3: mm-hmm.
4: but we've gone backwards in the training of the arm. The guys will go in and they'll do rubber bands and they'll do weights, and they'll do all this stuff. If weights were that important to pitching, why isn't Arnold Schwarzenegger a twenty game winner?
3: <laughs>
4: you see what I'm saying it's it, the thing that makes a pitcher better. Is mm-hmm. pitching, and I'm just uh, I'm I'm in a I'm in a hotel room now. I played in a golf tournament today, mm-hmm. and I'm watching the golf channel. And I was watching Michael Breed, and he was talking mm-hmm. about things you do to make yourself better. Well, how does a golfer? How does Tiger Woods get better? He's got his coach, and they look at uh, they look at his films, and they say, okay, this is what you were doing wrong. This is what you need to work on. They practice their mistakes. Yeah. A, a a pitcher throws 100 pitches in a ball game, and yet they practice, they train one day in between starts. Now I'm talking about starters. They uh-huh. train, and they will throw maybe 40 pitches. They mm-hmm. train at 40 pitches. How can you be proficient to throw the ball where you want to by only throwing 40 pitches? Now, if you're a four-pitch pitcher, and you give all your pitches equal um, uh, uh, equal uh, consideration, uh, you throw 10 pitches. You throw 10 fastballs, 10 curveballs, 10 sliders, 10 change-ups. How can, how can you learn how to pitch like that? Okay, now you throw 20 fastballs. Well, now some other pitch has got to be taken from it. And I, I told the guys when I coached in the expo organization, I said, you guys – would be better off to take one pitch and throw it 40 or 50 times. Just one pitch. Throw 40 fastballs. Throw 40 curveballs. Oh, I can't throw 40 curveballs. Why? It'll hurt my arm. Oh, well. And they they would throw a lot of curveballs and then they would go in, my arm's sore. My forearm sore. Yeah, your forearm's sore. Because you haven't used the muscles. It, it's mm-hmm. called, you know, if you go out in the spring and, you, and you're and digging in the garden and you come back in and your back sore, yeah, that's because you haven't done anything all winter.
3: Right. But, but
4: if you do it all the time and you get used to it, and that's where we've we've just kind of dumbed down in uh, in baseball, and we've just we've let the the work. You know how how did I how could I throw a sinker low and away? Probably ninety percent of the time, I I threw ninety percent fastballs, maybe eighty five. How how could I do it? Because I could make that pitch nine out of ten times, eight out of ten times where I wanted to throw it with movement. And, And how did I do it? I practiced it. I practiced it every single day. I was on the field. I threw off the mound to a catcher to the outside corner. And I know now today they say, well, we've got our throwing programs. And I got Dr. Andrews to finally admit, it's tough getting that son of a gun to admit that he was wrong. <laughs> uh, just like I was watching this thing there about RG3, you know, that he was uh, putting him back out there last year when he was hurt. But anyway, cause, uh, because Andrews cleared him to go back out on the field. But, but anyway, uh, you know, well, we, we've got this throwing program that you, you throw 150, 200 feet, and, you know, it builds arm strength. And I said, Really? I said, Jeff, answer me this question. You've got your guys on a throwing program and they're and they're throwing the ball two hundred feet. And at sixty feet six inches, a ball uh, a glove comes out of the ground and the ball goes boop. Oh my god, the ball didn't go two hundred feet. No. <laughs> throwing two hundred feet makes you throw the ball hard.
3: Uh-huh. Throwing
4: hard builds arm strength. Throwing long doesn't. Throwing hard does, I said. So why don't we put a radar gun on these guys and see how hard they throw to get the ball to go to your distance? And then they go on the mound and they throw that hard to the outside corner and they practice a skill at that speed. And he says, "Well, yeah, you're right. Throwing hard does build arms, arm strength, but your arm won't be, your shoulder won't be loose." And I said, "Jim, I want my shoulder loose." I said, I want my shoulder loose if I want to come in and have you operate on it and then you can fly around in your jet more, you know. I I said because an orthopedic surgeon only makes money if he operates. He makes no money seeing patients. So guy comes in, oh you gotta have Tommy John surgery, you gotta have this, you gotta have that. They make money. So what I would wanna do is try to prevent injuries and make the kids stronger But as you're making them stronger, make them more proficient in the throw. Now, you know, you said that I didn't throw hard. I could throw the ball 90, 92 miles an hour if I wanted to throw a dead straight fastball.
3: Mm -hmm. But I
4: I did not want the ball to be dead straight. Dead straight fastballs get hit, and they get hit hard and hard. (laughs) So I wanted the ball to move. Now, the more a ball moves, the less speed it's going to have on it. So I would throw... Yeah, I would throw between 86 and 88 miles an hour, 89. And then as I – in fact, the last game I pitched, I topped out at 87 at 46 years of age.
1: Wow. Tommy, don't you think, though, with all the specialty pitchers – I mean, you you know, you say guys only throw 100 pitches now, and we kind of get frustrated because back in the day, guys would throw, you know, 130, 140 pitches – but don't you think the astronomical amount of money that these guys are making? Like we're in the Philadelphia-based area, and Cole Hamels signed a 144 oh. million dollar contract. I mean, don't you think that the teams are kind of trying to save their investment and absolutely. not letting them throw? Absolutely,
4: yeah, right. absolutely. But but when they do that, when they do that, the guys don't get better. They get right. to a point and they never get better. Uh, you know, it's like last year. Oh, I had the I had more fun. Uh, people calling me up about the Steven Strasburg thing, you know, shutting him down in September,
3: mm-hmm. and
4: uh, I oh I had a great time pulling uh, Scott Boris's leg. Got every time I would say <laughs> I would get on the thing, and and I said, well, Scott Boris, the assistant general manager of the Washington Nationals, <laughs>
3: uh, he and
4: Mike Rizzo put that team together, and they concluded, okay. I said, what what they want to do with Strasburg is fine. Mm-hmm. But but you saw starting out that you had a pretty good ball club. Why didn't I said if I want to go to Hawaii, I save money. And I I put my money in the bank. When I get enough money to go to Hawaii, I take my money out. They never banked innings on Strasbourg, but they let him go and then they shut him down in at the end of August uh, and all of September and it cost them a championship. And the mm-hmm. thing was, well, well, we, we've got a good young ball club. We're we're going to be in there again. Are they? Where are they now? They're sucking uh, the hind leg of uh, the, the Braves. The Braves. Yep. They may never get back in there again.
3: No. Well, one know. thing
4: in baseball, if you got a chance to win, if you got a chance to win, you got to try to win this year because that ring may never come around on the merry-go-round again. Hmm. But, you know, it's, um, I, you know, but you're absolutely right. Uh, Cole Hamels has that big contract. They don't want to get him hurt. But because he's not throwing a lot, the chances of him getting hurt, I think, are greatly increased, greatly increased.
2: We're talking on the line here uh, tonight in the matchup zone with Tommy John. Uh, Tommy John, Tommy, what do you say – we were talking a little bit about the uh, the younger generations and, and yeah. trying to trying to get that money. What do you say to the kids having Tommy John surgery at such a young age in order to throw harder when they really don't need it?
4: Uh, having Tommy John surgery does not make you throw harder.
2: hmm
4: Having Tommy John surgery is to correct a malfunction or um, a tear in your elbow.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Fixing that tear might make you throw harder because <laughs> you probably had an abnormality in that joint before, so your body and your brain would never let you throw all out because there was that little alley in there that you never realized was there. Mhm, and everybody thinks, "Oh, you have Tommy John surgery, you throw harder. No, that's the farthest thing you can act dr. Andrews, Dr. Job. You can ask any of the surgeons around there. The surgery does not make you throw harder, and a lot of these parents think, "Well, I'm going to have my son uh, who's 12 or 14 or 15. I'm going to have him have the surgery, and he'll come out throwing 96 or 98." No, if God did, if God did not intend for you to throw that hard, you will not throw that hard. <laughs> that's,
1: that, that's funny. Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> I'm getting back to the Strasbourg thing. I mean, I was mad that they shut him down, and I, you know, like you said, you never know if you're going to get back, and if uh-huh. if you have a chance to win, you have to win now. I mean, look at Dan Marino. Yeah. Dan Marino went to the Super Bowl his first year, probably, never got thinking, yeah. probably thinking, "Oh man, this is easy. I'll be back." Never got back. Uh-huh. Um,
4: never got back. You know who? You know who said that? And and I, 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 he he and I locked locked horns my last year with the Yankees. But Dallas Green, Dallas said that. <laughs> In a, when we were talking. He said, "If you got a chance to win, you better go out and make a trade or get somebody in here to make your team as best as you can be this year, because you may never get back around again." Mm-hmm. And he was—he was. Nothing he said was more true than that. That's
2: that's funny, Tom. We almost had Dallas on the show on the show tonight to talk about Charlie Manuel uh, getting 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 fired. So <laughs> it's a
4: small well, world. You know that was that was. A convenient firing uh,
2: yeah.
4: They were not going to renew his Contract for next year So yeah. You know they were spinning their Wheels now and Could Charlie have finished out The season yeah but I Think they want to see What Sandberg can do and if Ryan can turn him around But you know Ryan Sandberg Cannot make those guys hit He cannot right. make them pitch he could not make him run bases. He could not make him mm-hmm. field. All Ryan Sandberg can do is put the players out on the field and put them in spots where they can where they can succeed. And mm-hmm. he can make the clubhouse. Uh, one of the one of the reasons Charlie was a good was a good manager was not because he was brilliant, was because the players loved him. The players busted yeah. their butts for Charlie Manuel. Mm-hmm. They 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 loved him, and you know and. I I would imagine all of them hated to see him uh, be let go. But in best interest of the ball club, that was probably the best thing that was going to happen. And Charlie will surface. Charlie will surface Mm -hmm, somewhere down the road. You know, because who who wants him back in Virginia running uh, rhubarb to the local farmer's market?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tommy, something's always interesting. Like uh, I, I heard Pete Rose on an interview a couple months ago and he was saying that, uh, that he really killed the the Negro brothers. I mean, he said he had like 53 hits or something like that uh, against the Negro brothers. And he said, he said, if Mrs. Negro had five kids, you would have had 7,000 hits. But did, did did anybody really hit you or were you, able, or who, who could you get out easier or who did you own in terms of getting that out? And did someone really hit you well, like one guy uh, in particular?
4: Well, I can tell you, Pete Rose had me on his list as, one of the three hardest pitchers that he ever had to face.
1: You know what? You know what? He did it. I think it was you, Sandy Koufax, and Bob Kibson maybe. If I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken. No, it was
4: it was Jim Brewer, Randy Jones, and Tommy John. Three left-handers. Because wow. we uh, Jim, in fact, Jim Brewer, Pete Rose turned around and hit left-handed off Jim Brewer. That's how that... Wow. He could not hit Jim Brewer. He could not hit him because of Brewer had that big screwball that would just fade away. Mm-hmm. Randy Jones had a sinker away. I had the sinker away. But uh, the one the, the one guy I, in the golf tournament, the guys I was playing with asked me the same thing. And I know they were going to think, uh, you know, uh, Mike Schmidt or uh, Wade Boggs or somebody like that. I said, the guy statistically that hit me better than anybody I faced <laughs> was Ned Yost, the manager of Kansas City. <laughs> and I don't, and I don't ever recall him getting a base hit off of me. But he was twelve for fourteen off of me. Wow.
1: Jeez. Wow. Yeah.
4: You know, and crazy. I don't, I don't recall it. You know, probably if they would put me into a trance or something, and uh, you know, but uh, the guy <laughs> that the I remember, the guy that that I remember that hit me extremely well, was Ken Griffey Sr. Mm. Okay. Yeah, wow. I could get Junior out. Junior was mm-hmm. a piece of cake, but he was 10 <laughs> at the time. So, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pro- probably the greatest hitter of my, I- I'm only 37, but the probably the greatest hitter of my lifetime generation is probably Tony Gwynn, I would think. Um, did you ever,
4: I-, I guess you never faced I, Tony I Gwynn. I faced him only in spring training. In spring training, okay. he got a hit, he got a couple of hits off on of me to left field. But the best hitter <laughs> I saw, uh, out there for just pure hitting was weight box, without a doubt. Really? Yeah. Wow.
2: N- you know, talking talking to Tommy John, uh, talking with this whole entire error, the steroids error. Uh, yeah. So last night, say you're say you're Ryan Dempster in Ryan Dempster's position last night. Are you doing the same thing? Are you throwing at a rod?
4: Why? 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 Uh, hmm? What gave Ryan? What gave Dempster? The right or the authority to mm-hmm. throw and hit Alex Rodriguez.
2: No, Dimster's yeah, Dempster's and...
4: God. Dempster's God. Dempster's butt ceiling. You know yeah. what gave what gave him? Joe Girardi said one thing in there that I wish get the blasted designated hitter out, play National <laughs> League rules, and let uh-huh. Ryan Dempster get his skinny butt up to home plate, and let CC Sabathia throw one and hit him right in the neck and then have him down on the ground trying to breathe, and then mm-hmm. you go down there and say, that's for A-Rod. And yeah. these guys would be far less. You know, hey, hey, these guys got big stones throwing at When they don't have to bat, right? They don't have to come <laughs> to hit. <laughs> let, just, let, let the pitchers have to come to hit. And, I, you know, it's, to me, you see all these guys, they're all hitters. I thought there would be more pitchers because steroids, steroids, HGH, all these things that make you bigger and stronger would Mm -hmm. help a pitcher a whole lot more than it would a hitter. Because you can take steroids as a hitter. It does not make you a good hitter. It makes you a strong hitter.
3: You still have
4: to square the ball up. You still got to square it up. I don't care what you take. You got to square the ball up. And uh, but pitching you can take steroids and go from an 88 89 90 mile an hour mediocre run of the mill pitcher you take mm-hmm. that stuff you build yourself up and you're throwing 95 96 miles an hour and now all of a sudden you're a stud everybody wants you
3: mhm
4: and and I thought there would be I thought there would be more pitchers doing steroids than hitters because it makes you it makes you in the elite class of pitcher. You know, because that's where baseball has it all wrong. Baseball and all these guys saying, oh, well, we want these power arms. We want these plus arms. And we want this. If baseball went back to this premise, if you get if you get hitters out, you're a good pitcher. If you don't get hitters out, you're a bad pitcher. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Dempster is zero six with a seven and a half ERA lifetime against the Yankees. He sucks. Wow.
3: Yeah, he yeah. sucks
4: against the Yankees. Yeah. You know. So uh, now he may have a team that he that he uh, pitches well against. But mm-hmm. I don't care how hard you throw the ball. The name of the game is getting batters out.
2: Well, that's crazy. And it's just you...
4: like the. It, it, well, uh, after I have my surgery. I, I pitched mm-hmm. for 13 years. I never missed oh. a start in those 13 years. Wow. Never missed a start. So whatever we did, we did right. Yeah. I won 164 games after surgery. Mm-hmm. Two less, two less than Sandy Koufax won in his career.
3: Jeez.
4: And these sabermaticians and these guys say, well, yeah, but Sandy Koufax's wins were better than Tommy John's wins. What? Sandy, right. Sandy got a Sandy got a Jewish t- discount someplace, and he was getting two <laughs> for
1: one. <laughs> that, well, it's funny, Tommy. Kind of sticking on that theme, um, you know. I, I was kind of looking at your numbers, and I just kind of picked a guy out in Burp Eleven who just got in the Hall of Fame, you know, a couple of years ago or last year, whatever it was. But your numbers, I mean, you, your career record is two eighty eight and two thirty one. His record is two eighty seven yeah. and two fifty. Right. His ERA is slightly, I am mean, minusculely better than yours. He had a couple, you know, more strikeouts. But do you feel you He had more strikeouts
4: like, and more shutouts, and that's what they. Is that the, it? The sports writers, when I was there, they said, "Well, I was not a dominant pitcher." I said, "Explain." I dominated. Right, well, my my yeah. my forte, my forte, was throwing ground balls, and I, in my era that I pitched, nobody had a better ground-ball-to-fly-ball ratio than Tommy John. So I Mm -hmm. dominated in that area. I wasn't a strikeout pitcher. I tried to be when I first came into the game, because that's what I thought you had to do, is strike guys out. And I found out I couldn't pitch effectively that way. Mm -hmm. So I dominated the game the way I pitched. And so I'm being held back because I didn't strike guys out, and I don't think that's fair.
1: Well, I always look at kind of the ERA. I mean, you you look at Clayton Kershaw this year. I think he has a a 1.41 ERA and he's 11 and seven. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, you had a your, your career ERA was 3.34. elevens was 3.31. Uh, you had more wins, less losses. So I don't, I don't kind of see how they say, well, he dominated. Well, I think at the end of the day, wins and losses and ERA, uh, ERA is probably the most important thing, and wins and losses as well. So uh, I was kind of just looking. I mean, you you, pitch, you started uh, 700 it, games. It, it,
4: he, 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 uh, the whole thing comes down to wins and losses. That's
3: what I mean, right.
4: They don't. You don't win pennants with ERA. Right.
3: The ERA, right. you
4: know, and they got all this whip and all this stuff. I have yep. no idea what that stuff is. I, I don't have any idea what it is. <laughs> nor do I care what it is. All I know is when I went out and I had to face Steve Carlton, I knew I had to be on the top of my game. Yep. And I pitched well against the Phillies. Back then, when when they had the the Phillies had probably one of the best teams in the National League back in the seventy five, six, seven, eight, seventy nine. Yeah. You know, with Schmidt, Lazinski, Hebner, mm-hmm. uh, Boone, Sizemore, Manny Trio. You know, they had Lomborg, uh Carlton, Ruffin, uh What's the other big? Wait, wait, uh, was, big
1: was, was Was Bob Walk on that team, or was that eighty?
4: Uh, that was eighty, I believe. They okay. had their bullpen was um Tug. And they mm-hmm. had Ron Reed back then. They yep. had Ron Reed and they had yep. a couple other guys. Yeah.
1: Al Holland wasn't there yet, right? He might have been a little bit later.
4: Al was I with think... uh, Pittsburgh, I think, at that time. Okay. Gotcha. Big Al Holland. Okay. If they uh Al Al did miss many meals, I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> it, it's funny. I grew up with Al Holland's son in uh in in Jer- in South Jersey and uh yeah. yeah, he he was always a he was always a big guy. <laughs> he was a big dude. <laughs> but he uh now he threw he threw hard, right? He was like a he was yes, like a hard if I, Yeah. In he fact, I think I was had right straight
4: the, over the top uh had very little ball movement uh you know, um Ooh, we yeah. had two guys on the, on the Yankees um Rod Scurry and Al Holland, because Steinbrenner loved their agent, and their agent was a guy named Tom Reich, R e i c h. And uh, if Tom Reich had a pitcher or somebody, George Steinbrenner would gather him in because he and he and Tom Reich had a great uh, understanding.
2: Wow, how about that? That's crazy. Well, we we've been talking with Tommy John. Uh, Tommy John, obviously. A Hall of Fame caliber pitcher, I think. Uh, you know, it's only a matter of time until he gets there. Uh, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us tonight for giving us oh. giving us some of your time.
4: Thank you, um, and uh, go Eagles! Right? <laughs> no, well, we the Phillies like are done. I mean, the Phillies yeah, are done. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, wrap up the
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's no pitchers are a long way off, and I guess uh, we have to hold our. Uh, Hang our hats on the Eagles right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all we got here, Tommy. <laughs> That's
2: it. That's I it. hear you. That's
4: all we well, have. but you still, yeah, yeah. But you still have good fans of everything. I I I love pitching in Philly because they had obnoxious fans like they are up in New York and Boston. But they're uh-huh. uh, they're great fans though. They're great fans. I mean, any time that you got fans that would boo Santa Claus and, and, <laughs> and boo and boo Kite Man when Kite Man was going down a ramp and got blown off. Opening day, and he fell, and all this stuff, and they they boot him. Those are fans, man. Those yeah. those are Tommy,
1: fans. Real quick, were you on the team? What were you on the Dodgers when we booed Bert Hooten and like got him off his game? Was that were you on? Were yeah. You on that? <laughs> were, yeah,
4: yeah, I was actually. It, now, it, the, they thought the fans did it, but it was Harry Wendell, the Empire, that. That did it to Bird. God, he he started squeezing
3: him, and really? Bert
4: started making all these gyrations. So now, the the next night, we ended up w- winning that ball game, and right. that's this is why that that game right there is why baseball's the greatest game going.
1: Was that was that Black we Monday were, or something? Was that what we call Black Monday? No, no, or? no that,
4: that was Black Friday.
1: Black Friday, that's it.
4: We we were down four to two.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: In the top of the ninth inning. Gene Garber on the mound. He had pitched two and in two-thirds innings. Vic D'Avalio was the hitter. He had 0-2, two outs. We're down to our last out, last strike, and D'Avalio drag bunts, and he's safe at first base. Manny Mota pinch hits and hits a ball off the wall in left field that Jerry Martin should have been playing left field, but for whatever reason, Danny Ozark had uh, the bull in there, Zinsky
3: mm-hmm. and
4: bull, bull played it into a double. And I've always said, had that been a cheeseburger, Bull would have caught that one. <laughs> Not known for his defense. The play, and then the play of the the play of the series was the next one. Did Davy Lopes hit a bullet to mm-hmm. Mike Schmidt's left, and Schmidt went over and got his glove on it, and the ball ricocheted off his glove. Yep. And Boa was coming back over, and it bounced. I mean, the ball hit off his glove. Boa barehanded it, stopped, and threw a P-rod to first base. And Lopes, it was boom, boom, safe out. And Bruce Frimming, the umpire, called him safe. And everybody's going. And then Billy Russell gets a base hit. And uh, we we score three runs uh, with two outs, two strikes, on our hitter in the ninth inning. And that's why you can't go to four corners and stall the clock out. You can't – the quarterback can't mm-hmm. take gotta a play, knee.
1: Gotta the play pitcher, play.
4: you got to play the game. The next night, I'm pitching in a rainstorm against Steve Carlton. And it was arguably, it was the best game I ever pitched. Yeah. And I had the bases loaded, and the fans thought – the Phillies had a run in, and the fans thought they were going to do – to me, what they did to Hooten. Mm-hmm. And I got on the rubber, and they started, you know, they started this loud, raucous, you know, <laughs> and they, it was loud, yeah. and I stepped off, and they quieted down. And I got back up on the rubber, and they started up again, and I backed off, and they went down. And I turned around, and the umpire at second base was a guy named Paul Runge. And I said, Paul, watch my feet. I said, I'm not going to balk, but I'm going but but to have some fun. And I got back up, and <laughs> when you stand on the rubber with both feet on the rubber, you have to break the rubber with your contact foot, uh-huh. which is my left foot. Yeah. So I got on the rubber, and I put my left foot on the rubber, and the fan started, and I drew, the, I drew my foot off. And then I put my foot, and I tapped a rubber and pulled it off. And I t- turned around to Paul Runge, and I looked at him, and I said, Paul, I've got these fans in the palm of my hand. They're eating out of the palm of my hand. <laughs> he looked at me, and he said, Tommy, you're nuts. And I said, yeah, you're right, I am. And then I went up, and I struck out Carlton to get get out of the inning, and then I beat him 4-1, to one, but... Yeah, they, they wow. had a loud crowd, but, you know, stuff like that. Like I was saying yesterday, watching the uh, Solheim Cup, mm-hmm. if I were playing in the Solheim Cup and I were one of the girls, you know, these girls had these, they had their game faces on, you know, or these, <laughs> like this, I would have gone off on that first tee. I would have had the girl from, Hey, how, you know what? Are you guys doing in your team room? Are you playing ping pong or what are you guys doing? Have you had any good meals? I would be talking to her and jabbering to her all the way down to get her upset, to get her out of her game. Instead of me having this scowly game face on that makes it look like I—it's just you want to take people out of their game, and if you have the scowl on, you make them play better. But if you talk to them and go down there and talk about shopping and talk about workouts and talk about this, the girl from, from Europe would say, get away from me, get, get away from me. And now <laughs> you've got her. You've got her because now she's out of her element.
2: That's awesome. All i got to
4: do is hire me and I would tell them how to do it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> would too. We really appreciate Tommy coming on. Uh, check him out. Uh check out his foundation, the uh, 288 Let's Do It Foundation, uh www.tommyjohn25.com. Uh you can check him out there. Uh just a great cause and uh we we can't thank you enough for joining us tonight and and giving us your insight and talking talking a little bit of uh old school baseball. We love doing that here.
4: Super. Love it anytime. Thank you.
2: Tommy, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Tommy.
4: Thank you. Yeah. Bye guys.
2: That wow, awesome. that was awesome! That really You worked. are in you're in oh, your uh, yeah, glory really right was. now. I you really,
1: are. I mean, I would have talked about. I I just wanted to get a. I just I you know what it is for me. I love hearing the old names. Well, that like, when
2: he when he started talking about that game, that's I was getting excited because yeah. you know Ozark.
1: No, I know. I'm like
2: uh, that that was that was my.
1: But see that I was still young then and all the and all the teams that Tommy played for were kind of running together. I know he played yeah. the Indians, the White Sox, the Dodgers, the Yankees, but I didn't know if he was on that team.
2: So you're good see, that's what you're like the stat man. See, I didn't I wouldn't have, I never would have would have yeah, brought well, that. I always you're, heard about yeah. that
1: game when they when they booed the Philly fans like to say that they they won the game because they just booed Bird Hooten yeah. and he couldn't find the plate, And they got <laughs> on him and he got on him and he just kept throwing ball after uh, the ball after the ball and uh I don't know. Like I just love hearing those old like, yeah. stories and who we got out and who. I, I don't know. I just.
2: What's well, it's so interesting, and then you know, talk him talking about, you know, th- the the misconception that Tommy John makes you throw far, throw harder, right. and like a lot of people. I mean, you hear it all the time. Kids yeah. going out and getting Tommy John surgery. So I think that was really important to talk yep. to talk to him about that and kind of say, you know, it doesn't make you throw harder. Well, people stop.
1: He, yeah, and, and also Kev. Like, he, you heard him say, like, the baseball committee said he didn't dominate because he didn't have as many shutouts or complete games. But 288 wins and 231 losses compared to 287, 250, like, you dominated enough to win 281 games. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I, That just doesn't make sense. And
2: the whole entire time he was talking about that, all I was thinking was Kyle Kendrick. Now, Kyle Kendrick's a guy who he had some rough years. He's had some rough patches and some rough games. But in terms – He's. You look at everything that's going on in the past two. He's been one of our most consistent pitchers. Yeah. Consistently coming in game in game out, getting some wins, getting ground balls. But it's true. It's like he doesn't have that sexy, sexy. Like I'm going to throw yep. strike people out. I'm going to well, throw 99. But, I'm I like Oranos Chapman. You know, I'm. Did, did
1: Greg Maddox dominate games? No, he no. Got out, he didn't throw hard. He got guys out. He threw a lot of ground balls. He had a great sinker. Yeah. Painted the corners. Uh huh. Um. You know he didn't dominate as a, like say like a Randy Johnson did. Yeah. Like Randy Johnson would just mow people down. Well, Greg Maddox got guys out a different way. He, he yeah. painted corners. He got guys to hit ground balls. He got guys to break bats. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Where guys like Dwight Gooden were a little more. They threw harder. Robert well, Greg, Clemens.
2: Greg Maddox also was. He would get he would get guys to strike out. But he was just a cerebral. He would yeah. just he would outsmart everyone. He was just so much that more move, intelligent. He
1: just had that movement on. That. Yeah. I always remember with with, with Greg with, Maddox with pickoff. No, well, with Greg Max, I always remember that that ball, a left-hander, it starts in and would just kind of tail back over the plate, like yeah. catch the inside corner. Like, he uh-huh. would just get guys out. Con- and you're looking at this guy, like, he wore glasses, looked like a geek. He looked like he looked so, like an yeah. He looked like an accountant. Uh-huh. You know, look like he couldn't play, but I know. I just love I, I want to call Tommy Johnny after the show. <laughs> can I'm call can we just show. hang out and talk? Yeah, I, I, I just love talking that, well, old, that but you know what's amazing too? Here's a guy who's seventy years old, mm-hmm. hasn't played in twenty five years. Yeah. And still remembers All the, the ball yeah. the ball hit Schmidt's glove and, yeah. and Schmidt went to his left and it bounced and Boa, Davey Lopes is running and Boa barehands it. Like he uh-huh. just remember it's amazing that he remembers Almost everything.
2: Yeah, that's uh, and that's. I think that's just the, his his attention to detail. I yep. mean, he talked about it, uh, getting guys out like that. You you have to have a good attention to detail. I think he did. D- did I think he still does? It's just it was a lot of fun to talk to yep. him. That's great. And uh, you know, get some insight insight. And I I would. That's what I was saying, you know. Trying to get Dallas on and and Larry Bowen, guys like that. Uh, you know, when when we eventually do, I I don't know when the date is this year when they're doing the Paul Owens Award, mm-hmm. but if it was, if it's on a Monday, God willing, that would be, we're, we're going. We're I'm gonna I'm gonna call him. Like, can we do there. the show there?
1: Well, you know what? We'll just call him right now and say, have the Paul Owens Award on a Monday. Yeah, and just
2: be like, can we do? It? I would. It would be great if we could do the like be there and do the show because you know how many people would be able to talk to like, and I don't want to talk to. Listen, I don't want to talk Cody to Ashy. yeah. Like I want to, I want to talk to, I want to talk to Larry Anderson. I want to talk yeah. to those old school. I
1: love hearing the old stories, yeah. the old guys and who they pitching at Dallas
2: and yeah, yeah just Larry Bow. Just
1: the names like brings back, you know, the, I don't know. It's just uh uh-huh. you know, Steve Garvin, guys like that.
2: Well, he yeah. was like Larry Ozark. I'm just like, yep, oh. snip, snip. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Ozark. What I say?
1: You said uh, Larry, I think.
2: Oh, Larry Anderson. You right were though. thinking Larry, yeah. Anderson, yeah.
1: Um, anyway, Kev, real quick. A couple days ago um, was Robert De Niro's 70th birthday. Uh-huh. Give me your top three De Niro movies.
2: For real? Goodfellas is one of my top movies yeah, of all uh, time. Okay. Um, casino. He was real good in mm-hmm. Casino. And probably Godfather, too. I'm into the mob ma- ma- yeah, ma- well, movies. So
1: am I, but Goodfellas is great. Yeah. Cape Fear is underrated. Oh, yeah.
2: You know, I'm, he was I'm, awesome. I'm replacing. Yeah. I'm replacing. I think I'm gonna replace the Casino with, with Cape awesome Fear. He awesome in Cape Fear. Cape Fear. See, I've, I've. That's like one of those movies that oh, I re- awesome. rejected from my memory because it was so. It was one uh, uh, around the time movie. when I was that's terrified. That scary
1: movie. The music. Dun 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 dun. Everybody, yeah, that like. Dun dun dun. Whatever it was, but I go, I go, Goodfellas, Cape Fear, and I go meet the Fockers. He killed it. I I mean you don't think of De Niro in that role, but he 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 killed it in Meet the Fockers. I mean, yeah. But he had a lot of great I mean he had a lot of he had a lot of great movies. Um BA 7 he's 70 years old um on August 17th, but Wow. Godfather Godfather 2 was great. Godfather 2 was good. Goodfellas good. was good. See. That's it.
2: That's, that's it. creepy.
1: That is creepy. When they're on the boat
2: and it just and like his and he's accent? like always yeah, his accent was was terrifying ah, too right
1: it's it, it was so good
2: this was this was it was it, it, the music was just terrifying it just kind of it's more the music, yeah
1: well think about anything think about like Halloween if you don't have like the scary, yeah, if you don't have that true. music it's the music that's like leading I me think up you're to, right
2: the music the music does make it th- like this song is terrifying that
1: that song will always be, and you're and I it's, always think of Max Katie when I hear that song
2: all i all I think about it was like when when the bear. Yep, just was moving just a little bit. Oh, yeah, my stream, God. The
1: fishing line. I'm and goosebumps. Yeah. The, it turned out to be the window, and then he goes The, the maid. Oh. The maid, yeah. Uh, dude, great movie. It was so... You know, uh, just his accent. You know what? Here's what... I'm, I'm
2: going to throw this at you. I'm going to throw one of these at you. I think the ending was, like... I think it was scary and stuff, but, like, just how it kind of went. Through, like, yeah, it was I mean, a little too dramatic, well, well, I he, think.
1: He, here's why it was a little unrealistic. Do you remember when he threw... When Nick Nolte threw De Niro over the uh, Yeah. when he lit him on fire. How, how can I forget? Well, where, when he lit him on fire and he goes out or he overboard or whatever, and then the boat starts moving and then they have the string attached to where the anchor was, like the rope. Yeah. And and De Niro just like reaches up and yeah. grabs the rope, like uh-huh. bit, you know, but uh, you know it's a movie. That's true. But
4: you know, a little bit of him like
2: yeah. him him. But how
1: about him like
2: underneath the under the car? car? Yeah.
1: Oh my god. And he was ripped in that. Remember the beginning of that yeah, movie. Yeah, when, when he was in jail? prison. Man, that, that, that's, a, that's a scary movie. Did you ever watch the old... Did you ever watch the remake? Well, that's the remake. Did you ever watch the original? No. With, like, I think Gregory Peck or somebody who was... Or, I don't know. It's, it's hard to watch just because black and white movies are...
2: Hard to watch? They're just
1: hard to watch yeah. in general. But, uh, yeah, De Niro is 70. Wow.
2: That's crazy. So how old was he? When did Cape Fear come out? What was that? Like 90? I'm, I'm gonna i want to say, say...
1: I'm going to say Cape Fear... No, I'm going to say Cape Fear was about... 90? I'm gonna say ninety
2: one. I'm gonna say because it was oh, right sorry. around that. I was I was probably ten or eleven around that time when I probably shouldn't have watched that movie. Twelve maybe, but I watched it and it like gave me nightmares. Like I wasn't grown up enough for to not have nightmares. Well, I'm still not, but you know it's like when, it, it was just that was Kate terrifying. Nineteen
1: ninety one.
2: Nineteen ninety one. So I was eleven.
1: Oh man, these images, man, just like. The hair was a little bit longer, and, the, yeah. and he bit that girl's cheek.
2: Hey, Counselor.
1: Counselor.
2: Oh, counselor.
1: oh my God. That, that was a great movie. See, see, now I think Nick Nolte's not a great actor. I just think he's a little bit. You talked
2: about We talked about yeah, this with, uh, what's he... that, Blue Chips? We but talked yeah, about it. So you don't buy him in any role?
1: I mean, he was okay in that role, but I don't know. I just don't think he was.
2: What do you think would be a good role for Nick Nolte.
1: I don't know. Like, I think the worst. You should be out of Hollywood. I think the worst actor is. Uh, I can't think. Uh, Nicholas Cage. I think is awful. Uh, Nicholas Cage in. Uh, Gone I, in
2: sixty I, seconds.
1: No, I like Gone in, 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 in the sixty rock, seconds. In the, no, I watched The Rock. Oh, you, wait,
2: hold on, the hold on. You're, you're blasting The Rock. No, the Rock. I think a great he was movie. good in The Rock.
1: See, there was parts in that. Where he was he,
2: like a dork. He was supposed know, to be a I dork. Don't know. I like, think that Sean
1: Connery. Hit a home run in that movie. Here's the
2: thing about Nick Nolte: when he plays a part that he's supposed to be a tough guy, I don't, I buy, don't it. buy it. Yeah. When he plays a nerdy, geeky, dorky guy like he did, but like also capable of mischief, yeah. like he was the in Chevious the act. yeah, like he was in the rock. That's when I'm on board oh, no, with Nicholas Nicolas Cage. Cage. Okay, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, well, be, yeah. I think I don't. Know. I, I think Sean Connery was great in that movie. I just I don't know. I just think Nicholas Cage is. The, an older version of Keanu Reeves, just
4: awful.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I got nothing bad to say about Nicolas Cage. I mean, I I do, but not not in The Rock. In The Rock, no, he, the was, Rock, yeah, the Rock he was, he was the Rock's a great movie. perfect. That was one, his. That was a perfect role for him.
1: That's one of those movies that's on, and I have to watch. There's a couple of those, like Meet the Fockers, has been on HBO recently, and I just have to watch it. Dustin Hoffman was hysterical in that movie. Yeah, I don't know, it was just a, it was just a funny, funny movie. Um. So, yep. So yeah, he's seventy.
2: He is seventy, Mike. You know, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears right now. We have about fifteen yeah, minutes it. left. Well, first off, let me say our sponsors. We we I feel like Mike and I when we when we have interviews where they're it's very interesting. We don't really talk a lot. So I mean, we didn't talk for like an hour. We just kind of threw some questions out there and let our guests do and the talking. And we're getting
1: with. a lot of tweets going. Can they get more guests on? <laughs>
2: So, like, I feel like once we get going, we get all giddy and excited. But speaking of giddy and excited, the English Premier League started on, uh, do you know what that is? The English Premier League. Soccer. Stuff, yeah. It started this this weekend. And it was amazing. Now, I'm going to ask you this. I know the answer is no, but I'm going to ask you. No. Did, did, you, did you catch the nope. USA nope. soccer game the other day? Nope. No, I'm a huge USA soccer fan. And I'm not. I'm. I just think it's just. It's as good as it. I mean, I root during the World Cup, and I'm going to put it on a level of of me rooting for the Phillies in the World Series. During the World Cup, I'm rooting for USA Soccer like I'm rooting for the Phillies in the playoffs. And I don't root for, like if the Sixers are in the playoffs, I'm excited. Yeah, but
1: who do you talk? See, the reason the thing that's great when the Phillies are in the World Series, the, you talk he, to everyone. Talk to everyone. Hey, the Phillies. If, when you go, like you know, you go, you go outside, you go to the gym, go. Hey, did you guys check out that uh, Premier League game like, or the World Cup? And I'm like, nah. So here,
2: and here's, this is weird because I feel like my life is getting more. It's like the things I like are starting to become like hipstery, which I don't like. But like craft beer is starting to become hipstery. I'm like, I drink craft beer because I don't like Miller Miller Lite. I watch those commercials.
1: It's not floating your boat these yeah, days. Yeah, it's
2: like I, I watch the commercials with the, the guys getting excited for Miller Lite. I'm like, I would vomit. Like, I, if if I someone hands me a Miller Lite, I I'm the opposite of excited. I'm so angry. But like craft beer, I've been loving. I love craft beer, and I've ever since you know I was in college, I started trying to get something that had more taste. I didn't want like just the normal college beer, and now I feel like it's getting hipster. And I think soccer is kind of getting hipster too. Like a lot of hipsters are kind of like, oh, I like the Premier League, and they're wearing their, you know, yeah,
1: their I, scarves and V necks and stuff. And I see a lot of people would like the jerseys, like the. Uh, yeah,
2: I think it's getting hipster. I think like normal sports fans uh, should 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 watch. I think it's. I mean, they said the ratings were through the roof this weekend, so it's definitely making a push here in the United States.
1: Well, speaking of ratings, football just controls everything. Last <laughs> night, a meaningless preseason game. I watched it. Meaningless preseason game, okay? Giants. Giants. Meaningless preseason game where starters rarely play. Uh-huh. Double the ratings of the Yankees' Red Sox.
2: That's insane. Really? I, and it's true because I, I, yeah, I, mean, I was on Twitter and I was looking through and I heard all the nonsense about A-Rod. And I think Fox, during the Fox halftime, they showed the game and they showed like A-Rod ducking the pitches and stuff. And that's when I kind of watched the highlights this morning.
1: A Rod had a pretty funny comment after the game. Did you listen to post game comments? They I, said, I hate A Rod. I hate him too. But they said, Do you think Dempster should be suspended? He goes, I'm the wrong guy to be talking about suspensions. Which was kind <laughs> That's of Which is pretty funny, you know. I mean, yeah, but, I feel uh, like you're starting to turn the corner no, on A Rod. No, I don't A-Rod You're
2: you're 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 liking his jokes.
1: No. No, I mean I just thought it was a funny thing to say. Man. I think some of this guy's a
2: a A hole?
1: Yeah, I think he's a, a dirtbag, but um,
2: Dirty know, rotten cheap.
1: You know what there's probably you know you know how many guys out there can are doing steroids that haven't been caught yet that I don't know. I'm sure there's probably a couple fillballs. Well when he was saying about pitchers, uh I
2: don't know. Maybe baseball isn't as isn't as strict with the pitchers because that's the mindset. The hitters are are hitters are the ones doing steroids. I mean some of these guys who are throwing a hundred miles an hour. You know, he said it. Tommy John said it best. It benefits the pitchers more than it does the hitters. I mean, the hitters. You look at a guy like Barry Bonds, and you, you look at a guy like A Rod. A Rod is an unbelievable baseball player, and a guy like Barry Bonds. Yes, he might not have had as many home runs. He might not have broken the home run streak. He was still a Hall of Famer. He, his swing yeah. was perfect. He just hit it a little further, like you and some have place- to have the,
1: right you still have, to have the eye hand coordination exactly like, It's not like I could go on it's not like right now, yeah, I could go on steroids and hit forty five home runs I mean you still have to be able to hit a ball i eye hand coordination. i could,
2: i if I went on steroids, I don't think I could hit get a single off a major league pitcher, yeah, do you think you can do no. you think you could hit a major league pitcher absolutely if not. they're throwing their best stuff
1: no what
2: how many if what if you have twenty at bats
1: twenty swings?
2: No 20 at bats, no. full at bats.
1: Are, are you saying get a hit or foul ball off? Or, no, I'm saying or it hit the ball contact? where
2: hit, hit him where they ain't.
1: No, no, no. Well, first of all, Kev, I'd be scared as hell to go up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, think about think about like a guy like uh Stephen Strasburg. Yeah, he's throwing 98 miles per hour up and in, and then then hits you with a a, like a, 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 cut. a hook. Yeah, no, exactly. A hook. Yeah, like the, a knee buckler. Like no, I mean right now, no. Maybe if I played baseball and I was still, you know, played, if I played college baseball and was a serious baseball player, but no, I don't think so. Do you think
2: there's a sport, any sport out there that you could, you think with enough, with uh, enough reps or no, say say you get 50 shots or 50 golf, like anything, do you think there's a sport where you can compete for like one one at bat, one swing, one one shot, like with a with a professional athlete. I mean probably just racquetball.
1: <laughs> Not, I mean, oh, you said sport. I'm sorry. Um <laughs> like a major sport. No, like I no, I just don't think I mean I don't know. But, but, Kobe Bryant is like who's around like Kobe Bryant's close to my age. Uh huh. I couldn't defend him, you no. know, or score on you know. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's true. You know, I don't know. Like it's just a different world, like uh uh-huh. um well, yeah.
2: that's—I mean, when we talk about you talk about athletes—and we we said it before—but you talk about athletes, and it's like there's just so. It's, it's, but
1: also, Kev, like that's what these guys are doing for a living. Like Tiger Woods is 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 hitting thousands of golf balls a day. Uh huh. I'm not. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Like, are they going to be able to? If I was an accountant, could they? do crunch accounting numbers? Could they, could they crunch numbers like me? No, because I'm doing it every day.
2: Could they Could they could they host a radio show? Yeah.
1: Yes, we do. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure a uh, a monkey and a lizard could. Which one am I? Probably a lizard. You have a pretty Why? long
2: tongue. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> so i I was like trying to think of like I don't think I do have a long tongue.
1: No, I just said that.
2: Uh Lizard uh, lizard like features. I thought you were gonna say something about my nose. I feel like my ears make me look like a monkey though. No,
1: no, no. but pro- the, heads- I more your the headset arms. on probably more your arms. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't think so. Like I don't know. Could I mean I no, nah, I, I just think that pro athletes are so far better than like, well, we don't realize how good they are. And you can't get a feel for the speed on TV either when you watch a basketball game on TV. Yeah. And, and even like baseball. Like you're watching baseball, um, you know, you're watching it from behind. You're watching it from yeah. the pitcher. You thing, yeah. So you're not seeing how fast it is. But then sometimes they reverse it and show you from behind the batter. And you're like, wow, like it doesn't look like it's that hard coming in on yeah. TV. But I can't imagine. When, when you just to go to batting cages when you were little. Yeah. And would throw 100 miles, you know, go to the fast one 100 yeah. miles per hour. Now, that's coming straight down the pl- straight down the middle of the plate. Yeah. And I remember as soon as you would see it kind of go down into that little where it comes out, like you'd have to start your swing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I could never hit him a major yeah. pitcher.
2: Well, that's the funny thing. I mean, you look at athletes and you're just like, okay. And uh, as fans, we say it. And, uh, you know, I, I've been, I've said it. I've said it to my wife. I'm like, oh my God, he stinks. And she's like, no, he doesn't. I'm like, she. Well, it's all
1: bro. Th- he stinks. Yeah. yeah, he stinks as a as fan.
2: A, like yeah, in comparison, a, right. but I mean, guys, when I when I did the whole thing with Reggie Evans and I put out the article, people were just like, it's 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 funny because like the guy on ESPN was like, what's well, funny because it's funny to see a kid or a guy go out and, and talk about like, why I think Reggie Evans stinks. But and I say Reggie Evans thinks when you see how like a, a professional basketball player going against Reggie Evans and like not being able to score, like you realize how good Reggie Evans is in retrospect. But it's just like you kind of have them. I mean, that's what I said. Like the athletes are so, either it's it's such a it's such a difference between between being a fan and being an athlete.
1: I mean, just think about being a third baseman and have guys hitting bullets down to you at third base and be able to react. Gather the ball, throw the ball. You know, getting in front of the ball. I, yeah, I mean, these guys are just—they're—they're they're just their eye-hand coordination is just unbelievable. Um, like Miguel Cabrera. I mean, his eye-hand. Co- I, I don't know why. It would, are you
2: calling it eye-hand coordination? Isn't it hand-eye coordination?
1: Hand-eye, eye-hand. I guess that's yeah, the same I think thing. you're right. hand eye Eye-hand
2: coordination. Your eye-hand coordination. Eye
1: yeah, it, hand. it is hand-eye. It is hand-eye. Yeah, your hand-eye coordination. Eye-hand. <laughs> um, Yeah, I'm a little bit back. My my, eye, my eye-hand
2: coordination. My eye-hand
1: coordination. Um, Yeah, it's hand-eye. Thanks for pointing. Thanks for making me look like an idiot in front of thousands of um, listeners.
2: Jelly and peanut butter sandwich.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love. I really like cheese and macaroni. (laughs) I really. That's probably my favorite dish. Cheese and macaroni. I love the cheese and macaroni. Potatoes and steak. Yeah, cheese and ham sandwich. One of my favorites. yeah, so your hand-eye coordination uh, has to be there, in, um, in especially baseball. Yeah, football too. Well, and, I mean, so, uh, eye-hand coordination is not that big of a deal, but hand-eye you really need like that.
2: <laughs> it's, it's it's very important. I looked at I just just watching soccer this week, and uh, you know, I'm 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 watching the games, and then I take the dog out and I get the soccer ball out. Of course, you do. I get the, the of course. And I, you know, when I was when I was playing, I used to go to I used to go to Crows to Scouts Field, yeah. Either. And I used to go to Scouts Field and play soccer. I would just like I would look up drills online and do all these soccer drills because then I would go and play like basketball and work out in mm-hmm. basketball in the afternoon. But in the morning, I was like, let me get a conditioning drill that's like also doing footwork. So I do soccer drills. I mean, this, these drills, I'm watching them, and then I watch like the pro guys do it, do the same thing, and it's like so easy. It's it's not even funny how.
1: No, in soccer you need good eye-foot <laughs> eye foot coordination, right? In soccer,
2: foot-eye, foot-foot-mouth,
1: yeah. foot foot-mouth foot combination. Yeah. I think
2: yeah, yeah combination. No, foot-mouth
1: combination.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, foot I, mouth is I
1: played soccer when I was younger, Trev. I one I was I, I wasn't very good, and then they put me at goalie because I did have pretty good hands, but that was boring because the defense was good, so I'm just back there kind of looking at the crowd picking the grass. Well, yeah. It was horrible.
2: They put my brother at goalie. He was like the he, cuz he's real tall. Oh, yeah. And they always did the tall kids in there. But he was pretty good. He was a good goalie. I was a terrible goalie cuz I i was the same thing. Like I didn't like I couldn't play baseball. Like
1: where does a 6'11 guy play in baseball though? Really? <laughs> first base.
2: Yeah, first base.
1: I mean, I mean you're not a second third shortstop there, but, I mean
2: behind the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> Eating nachos. I mean, yeah. I just. I mean, you're a first baseman. I pitched. Or a know. pitcher, or, yeah. or a pitcher. But like you know that when it, it was like, I I could never get over my fear of getting plunked by the ball. So it's like the same thing. Like I didn't want to play goalie. Like wait, so you want me to voluntarily stand there while like people rifle things at, like shoot a, a hard, like a no. ball at me? Like yeah, no, but I'll, it's I'll not pass. Like,
1: it's, but it's not like you're it's not like you're standing in front of a baseball or a, or a a cue ball. Like it's a soccer ball. It's not that hard. Cue ball. Oh, well, I'm just saying for instance, like it's not like are a you... cue ball coming at you. <laughs>
2: People throwing cue balls. It's not a
1: golf ball. It's a, it's, a, it's a it's a it's
2: a what? Billiards room are you uh I, are you going yeah, to? I mean,
1: come on. You know, run out of front. I'm not I I I would I would do this. I would much rather whoever Leo Messi or whatever his name is, whoever kicks the ball, Lionel or whatever, yeah. whoever kicks the ball really hard, I'd stand in goal to try to stop that before I would get up there against a major league pitcher. Yeah. Against like a Pedro Martinez just throwing. Now you like
2: I was watching the USA game. The one guy just... I mean from 10 yards away, the guy kicks it. These guys are kicking the ball 90 miles an hour. And it, it like he kicks it from 10 yards away and just blasts him in the face and he gets right back up. I don't know. They say, uh, they I mean, always say they always say soccer players are a little bit like fairies and stuff like they call them foot fairies and things like that. I think soccer you have to be you have to have a crazy kind of tough at, attitude to uh to do so i don't
1: know yeah i don't know
2: (laughs) well we just want to thank our guest uh tonight uh stacy august uh, prince fielder's mom cecil fielder's ex-wife uh for coming on and and and, uh also tommy john tommy john just amazing really talking old school baseball and really getting into there and uh tommy i'll call you in about 10 minutes yeah mike will be calling you soon so uh keep your keep your evening open keep
1: your your cell phone on yeah it's one of the
2: you know we'd love to have him back on the show uh We'd like to thank our sponsors for tonight. Chief, did I only mention them once? Twice. All right, good. Uh, the show brought to you tonight by Foam Pack, supplier of all Graco products. Just a phone call away, 888-458-2928. Also by Advocare South Jersey the Orthopedic Associates. Uh, go see Dr. Wetzer for all your orthopedic needs, 856-424-8866. And finally, Integrated Play. Go see Renee Shaw if you're an athlete transitioning into a professional career. Uh... Two six nine seven six zero three eight five seven. For myself, for Mike, we will see you. Go ahead.
1: Oh, also, um, go to the website www. Oh, yeah. uh, dot uh, Com. Check out our new logo. Click on it. Oh, yeah. Tell yeah. You, what you think about it? We got a new logo. Um, we get we have some shirts uh, in the making, getting made up with the logo. So. Uh, Should be fun. Yep. Hey. We're almost
2: professional. We're almost professional. Thanks a lot for tuning in, guys. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Until then. I got a million ways to get it.
3: Shoes uh-huh. one. one. Hey, bring, it back, bring uh-huh.
0: it back. Now double your money and make, make it stack. I'm on, on, on to the next one. I'm to the next one. I'm on to the next uh-huh. one. i to the next uh-huh. one. I'm to the next uh-huh. one. to the next uh-huh. Uh-huh. On to the next
3: uh-huh. uh-huh. one.